Look the same. One tells the truth, the other's lying, and they're both calling my name. This is how villains are made. This is how villains are made. everyone that started their career in politics or anything uh, was born a villain. They become villain. And that's the problem that people don't seem to understand. Everything doesn't start. Nobody wakes up in the morning and says, I want to cause harm. No one wakes up in the morning and says, what neck do I step on so that I can get a leg up? No one does that. So today is the 22nd of December. So glad that time is taking its time uh, for Christmas to come uh, because there are so many things. I, I'm, 
I don't know if you guys are having this, but I am. I feel like even though time has slowed down, it's almost like everything keeps blocking something to happen. And, and, and I saw it in, in messages as I read them while I'm, my car's driving itself or, um, you know, I'm in an elevator or I'm in a waiting room of a doctor's office, you know, looking through messages and it's extremely slow. I'm not even ready. Like I have been trying to wrap presents uh, in between, uh, because I shop for Christmas all year round, like January, I'm already shopping for the next year. Okay. I don't do the whole, let's go on a shopping spree. And then it's like, damn, I have no money. The minute I'll have something extra, there's presents that I just wrapped that I had purchased in February. Okay. Of last year for Christmas this year. Okay. And I'm using wrapping paper that I bought after it all went on sale. So, um, uh, I, I, I feel that a lot of other people that are um, struggling with understanding or um, kind of feeling that shift are seeing this delay in time. Um, t- today, okay, uh, guys, funny story. I'm going to share it. So it wasn't a, a Thanksgiving, you know, obviously I had a lot of people over and, you know, I've always had a Roomba and Millie was like, have you ever seen the videos on YouTube where the Roomba just smears things everywhere and makes a mess and drops things? I'm like, yeah, well, you know, when I put it on, I usually have the chairs on the table, you know, and I make sure there's no wires, right? Well, funny story. It's hilarious. So um, I'm in bed at about 1230 a.m. looking at videos with, um, some uh, software that I don't know how to use, but the video editors are using because I'm trying to make it easier, right? To, to do more so it's only smoothed over and, um, and just wowified because they're incredible and <laughs> for the documentary. And so I'm sitting there looking at videos and it's kind of like I'm getting cross-eyed and suddenly I hear footsteps, not footsteps, human ones, but dog ones, Right. And I'm like, what the, Nix is in her kennel. Wait, did Hera, I did, you know, Carlo, um, let his puppy out. So I, I get up. I, I don't see a dog. So I go over to Phoebe's room and there's Nix sleeping in her kennels, uh, hugging her little lamb. And suddenly, you know, I hear growling and I'm like, what is that? Is, is the, is the puppy growling at me? So, uh, I, I walk over to my bedroom again and there's no puppy. So I'm like, okay, maybe he ran out of the bedroom and, you know, left. So I get in bed and I'm looking at these videos again and suddenly I smell poop. Like, I'm like, where's that coming from? It felt like it was like right on me. So I'm looking at my cat. Like, what did you do? Like, did you do? Because he's old. And I'm like, did you do something? So there I am at freaking <clears throat> almost 2 a.m. now, right? Because I'm smelling this and that's my superpower. I can smell everything. There is not one thing I got. I actually can smell people like they have certain smells. I kid you not. My sense, my sense of smell is insane. So I'm like, I 
can smell it. I'm, I'm heaving at this point and I'm like looking, <laughs> I'm flipping blankets, pillows. I'm looking under the bed everywhere. Right. And I'm looking nothing. So I'm like, damn. So I'm making, so I walk back to Phoebe's room, which is right next to mine. And I look and, and Nix is in there and I'm like, maybe she made a mess, but her room smells amazing. So I'm like, oh crap, it's just my room. Like what is going on? So, um, Phoebe wakes up all upset. Why are you making sound like noise? Because I was making a lot of noise. I was like moving furniture. Like there was, I thought it was like right under me. Okay. Uh, so Phoebe comes, she's looking, she's like, okay, I can smell it too a little bit, but you know, I'm not like you, mom. I'm not a bloodhound. So I stepped toward the hallway to, and whoa. So I'm like, damn. So I can smell it upstairs as if it was emanating through the floors. And it turns out that Fenrir, the German shepherd pup, uh, had escaped. And obviously, after um, attacking the butter dish, because he ate the whole butter dish, uh, he probably escaped from the bedroom and then creeped back down. And I'm like looking in the living room and I can, it's even more pungent. I'm heaving now. So it's like hilarious. And then I look to my right <laughs> toward the dining area and I see this smear going all the way to the dock of the Roomba. Guys, it was so bad. So I woke up the whole house. I'm like, I don't know what you guys are doing, but this is getting done. <laughs> this is, I, I had like the worst evening <laughs> ever in that Roomba. Uh, mind you, it didn't go around the whole house. It went from where it hit it straight to the dock. So the whole dock had to be clean. The whole thing. I was dying and it was <laughs> like, once I woke up, every single person in the house I was like, now I'm going to bed. Um, so I, <laughs> it was, <laughs> it was probably Fenrir trying when he was growling or whatever he was doing was trying to tell me, Hey, I need to go out. Um, but you know, he didn't stay long enough for me to say anything. Uh, so, uh, I had my Roomba incident and all I could remember <laughs> was, was Millie saying, I, I didn't use it when I was training because she has a one year old now dog, right? She's like, I didn't use it with my dog because I've seen those nightmare videos on YouTube. So I thought I would share that with you because that actually happened. I didn't videotape it. I was too busy heaving and freaking out because for me, my sense of smell is so on point. It's ridiculous. So um, <laughs> it was quite a, quite a rough evening for me. I didn't get to bed till 4 a.m. Um, and then when I got up, you know, power outage when I went to my apartment and then my car couldn't charge. And then, you know, doctor's office delay, you know, I just need this and the Omicron. And I'm like, Jesus, we're still playing this game. Like it drives me insane when I hear people saying Omicron, Omicron. So I, I think the shitty situation I was in, in the wee hours of the morning kind of rolled out throughout the whole day, constant power outages, um, just, you know, just for a second, you know, you're sitting there, for example, I'm, I'm composing a document, uh, because someone needed a report. So I'm sitting there trying to get this report done. And right as I'm hitting the little saved icon, guess what? Oop, everything just turns off and then turns back on. It's like fabulous. <laughs> Let's just redo this whole thing. And every single time <laughs> I'm, you know, doing my little voiceover, the thing crashes or the power goes out. It's just like, it has been the most messed up day ever. Messed up day. 
uh, it, to the point where I actually had one hour of peace. And that was a forced hour of peace. I was like, no phones, no nothing. I'm just going to play backgammon in my car, which I was playing against Super Tesla, which is like supersonic mode, which means that it cheats because it gets all the right freaking dice. But I had to charge my car. So I'm waiting there and I'm like, oh my God, I'm going to have to tow this into spot because it was so busy. So obviously the energy was slower. It was just a hot mess. And um, I think it was because the morning, wee hours of the morning set the tone for shitty day. Um, but I'm grateful for it. Because it teaches me that I need to slow down and stop getting angry. Um, and I hope, you know, everyone sees that too. You just need to stop being angry. Need to stop, just, you know, getting upset over things you can't control. Uh, I was reading the messages and this is why I decided I'm going to play backgammon and turn it off. I was reading messages of people talking and, you know, I shared a couple things where, um, you know, they're just like, Oh, president Trump did us a favor for doing the vaccines. I like, I told you that a year ago, right? That if he didn't do that, Oh man, it would have been way different. Um, it was very important because the only way you could see is by creating the situation for you to see. And um, today I wanted to um, show the interview that he had with Candace Owens for many reasons. Um, one of them, so you can see a more candid interview and another, like what is going on with Candace Owens? Like she's like, she's ideal for what agencies churn out from the nineties. Like she is that ideal. And it's, terrifying to know that they can refine because they had three people at the same time that they were refining and she came out on top. Um, the interview was uh, quite well poised and the president got to say a lot of things. Now he did speak of, uh, you know, having bad people around him. And I know that a lot of people don't seem to understand how how to respond with people that you know are not good or you know have ulterior motives when they're around you. And this is where, you know, when I was seeing comments and discussions and all this stuff on the chats, I remembered what I watched when I was upset. So, you know, after the shitty situation, after me screaming and getting everyone up, you better fix this. Ah, you know, um, I went to bed and I was like, I'm not going to watch any more of these, you know, Adobe videos. I'm, I'm done right now. <laughs> I'm like done. I was so irritated. So I opened up YouTube and there was that editing video and I just refreshed and this video came up. It was um, a reenactment of a Bible story. I don't remember which one, but you know how they elaborate and add things and delete things. You know, it's like a little movie and it was really weird because I, 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 I thought about it when I was watching all the pessimism and well, you know, I doubt this, but I trust my God and I doubt this, but I trust my God, you know, In that story, from what I remember, because I dozed off watching it, Jesus was paying more attention, or it could have been someone else or a shepherd, I don't remember, was paying more attention to 
a person he knew was his Judas. He sat down with his Judas, the person that was going to betray him. And he fed him. He embraced him, knowing that this guy had all these bad people around him. And all that person wanted to do was keep a handle on him. I don't know if it was Jesus. Maybe it was like a, like a spinoff. Like it was a low budget thing. Uh, and you know, when I look at stuff at night, I don't use my profile. So I can't find the history. I make sure that it's anonymous. So it was really weird because it was, um, it was a story of sitting down with someone that he knew was like, hey, in order to get whatever, right, you need to be nice. That person likes me for some reason, and he's teaching me how to make things, right? So I'm going to keep him close. You guys just stand back because, you know, it, it's like he was scared of the man he was talking to. Not So the Judas guy, right, I call him Judas because in the end he betrayed him. I don't remember what. And, um, the Judas guy betrayed him, but the Judas guy was trying to get a hold on this guy because this guy was good and he was so good that he resonated good and everything, everything he needed was attracted to him. Like, you know, they were hungry one day and he was like, Oh, don't worry. Uh, we will have bountiful wheat the next day, I think was the phrase and wine to, 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 to take away our thirst, you know? And he was like, are you nuts? We're in the middle of fucking nowhere. And lo and behold, you know, these people, this caravan comes by and they give him a sack of wheat and they even give him some meat from some, something they hunted or slaughtered and then gave him jugs of wine. And the guy was like, whoa, this is crazy. So this Judas guy is like attached to this guy, but he's communicating with other people that want to take this guy down because they want to harness his power because they don't understand why he has these powers or whatever they thought it was. And, and then I thought that's exactly how real life is too. People need to understand that unless you sit down with the person that is seeking to betray you and break bread with them and talk with them, then you don't really understand what love is. Because all that time, from what I remember, right, because I'm sporadically remembering, because like I said, I was trying to doze off. He was trying to make him good. Like there was like a spark and he was trying to like, set that on fire and just consume him with good. And every time he sparked it, you know, there would be a little bit of a flame. And then all those other people that he was communicating with would hinder that flame. And he'd be like, Hey, yeah, 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 I'm on focus. Don't worry. But he felt guilty too. He still attempted to betray him. Right. And even at the time of the betrayal, the person was like, it's okay. I knew you were going to betray me. I just wanted you to not try it because you're not hurting me, you're hurting yourself. So when people question who you have in your circles, and this is this, understand this, you should be breaking bread with people who have the worst intentions for you. Because the, the one thing that you can do is show them why they shouldn't have worse intentions, why they should be good, why they should be empowered. And, you know, then they, they cultivate that. Now, 
if I remember correctly, when the guy betrayed, the Judas guy betrayed the guy, um, the other people were like, why didn't it work? And he's like, because I told you, he's really good. So nothing can actually harm him. And so, you know, all those other people, like they didn't abandon him, but they belittled him, even though he was in charge of all of them or was they were sleeping in his house or something like that. He was like rich or something like that. So it felt it felt like it hit home. And I, I, I at that point, when I was watching all the messages, I was like, guys, you must embrace those that want to do harm to you. Because just like that song said in the opening, that's how villains are made. When they don't know what side they sit on, when they're all thinking of, oh, well, this is good. But, you know, even though this is bad, this is good for now because it'll amplify the good even though it's bad. Make sense? This is how you become a villain. When you draw authority from a certain place to justify what you are doing. So it's... um. Uh, really important, um, how you address individuals that you know are not good. Now, I saw a lot of people freaking out <clears throat> about pictures with, um, Roger Stone posting that he wants to run, um, General Flynn for president. Uh, I knew about this in the summer. He's been trying to find someone, oh, let me run your campaign. And, you know, I basically said that if he actually ran for president, he would lose. And I would totally be on board with him losing because generals should not be presidents, period, ever. Just like CIA directors should not. And so I've, I've said that straightforward. Oh, no, 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 I'm not running uh, unless, you know, he doesn't want to run. I don't give a fuck if he's not running or not. We're all going to write in fucking Trump, even if he wants it or not. No. So, you know, he's obviously approaching other people too. Uh, you know, oh, you should run for president. And I tell them, I'm your friend. I'm telling you, if he's telling you should run president, you need to fucking kick him to the curb because no one's winning. President Trump is still president. See, that's the thing. This is how you know when people are outside of the circle, outside of the circle and just bullshitting with pictures. Look at me. I was stop, stop. You thought you were elite. You're not. See, because it's things like this. Because we won the election. But if it was more standard where we actually took office, uh, people would have been criticizing. Why didn't you do this? Because we won the election. But if it was more standard where we actually took office, uh, people would have been criticizing. Why didn't you do this? Hmm. See, when you're out of the loop, you're out of the loop. That's the way it is. And a lot of people don't seem to understand why they're out of the loop. See, that's the thing. Titles and tiaras. Uh, uh, it is believed that, you know, they garner. They just can't fathom people that they didn't realize had more pull could do. I mean, I'm going to be straight with you. Like the shit that Stone has done to me when I was actually trying to help him keep him on the right path is disgusting. The amount of people he's paid to attack Millie, myself, right? What he's been doing. It's, it's just bad. It's just really bad. It makes no sense whatsoever. And when I confronted him on January 5th, he's like, I want no trouble. I was like, dude, that's like way too late right now.
<clears throat> I don't want I don't want to cause you harm because you've got karma coming on your ass. It's not me that's going to do anything. That's the worst thing you could do, right? Um, is you know counter someone that's out to get you. You allow them to come, and that is how you win. But you don't defend yourself. Your best defense is just to be like, hey, God, take the reins, man. That's the way you get it done. See, um, it's, it's, it's quite fascinating when people realize um, how politics are played and how it's done uh, and how there are so many back-end deals. For example, a lot of people are um, putting their eggs in the basket. You know, obviously we have Durham and Durham and we have other investigations going on. But in order to allow things to occur, you have to have some kind of uh, inclinage. See, the only reason Durham is investigating the Clinton Foundation is because Hillary Clinton wants to run again. What? Yeah, she wants to run again. She's going to run again. She is running again. For those of you that don't know, uh, that someone actually made that clear uh, on um, in, during an interview. I want you guys to listen to it. After Donald Trump and a flurry yeah, of interviews recently. recently. Our democracy is under continuing assault by um, the former president. I think he poses a real clear and present danger to the United States. And having lived through uh, that presidency, uh, when it came time to write a political thriller with my friend and collaborator, Louise Penny, of course, I would draw from the reality that we all have uh, experienced. So her present day media blitz is fueling speculation that she's testing the waters for a potential 2024 presidential run. 2024 presidential run. Team Trump clapped back at their 2016 rival saying perennial loser Hillary Clinton appears to have recognized that her only marketable attribute is that she lost to Donald J. Trump. Well, they didn't miss Jimmy Fela, host of Fox Across America on Fox News Radio. Great show. Tune in. Hey, hey. So, uh, Jimmy, I mean, is she dialing it back a little bit, like back to those those days of pre-2016 so she can let people see what they missed? Well, she's absolutely going to run again, Harris. I said this on your show you two think weeks she ago. Is? That yes. We don't have that confirmed. Harris, stop it. Is that your spidey sense? Hillary Clinton is the political equivalent of a stray cat we fed once and now it will never go away. Like, of course, like she's revealing that this book had something to do with Trump. Yo, Hillary, we know that because this is so emotional for her. It's denying her the self-awareness that would otherwise tell her she sounds like a crazy person. You know, somebody who goes through an ex, uh, you know, who goes through a breakup and they can't stop bringing up their ex. You're like, hey, Hillary, how's your lunch? Oh, it's warm. Unlike Donald, who wasn't warm at all. <laughs> it's like, we get it. You're obsessed with the guy. She needs to move on because the rest of us have. But I don't think she sees, yeah. you know, any world where she's comfortable doing that. Well, look, uh, focusing on him has not worked for Democrats. Mm -mm. I mean, it, it's it. Well, it may have worked for Biden. <laughs> it did. Uh, now that we see that it probably wasn't COVID because that's gotten worse. But anyway, yep. uh, Vice President Kamala Harris's staff attempting to pull the plug on an interview and how they did it. We'll leave you crying, uh, <laughs> laughing. She was pressed on really who is the president? I want to know who the real president of this country is. It Bi is it Joe Biden or Joe Manchin? I'm sorry. I just want to interrupt and I'm thinking about how to behave. It's the mom. I'm so sorry, Charlie. We have to she, she can hear me. <laughs> 
Can you hear me now? They're acting like they can't hear me. Yo. <laughs> I can hear you. Oh, so who's the I real? So who's the real president of this country? Is it Joe Manchin or Joe Biden? Madam Vice President. Come on, Charlemagne. I really. On. I, it's Joe Biden. I can't no, tell. No, sometimes. no, 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 no. It's Joe Biden. And don't start talking like a Republican about asking whether or not he's president. Do you think? <laughs> that was good. That was she looked like, how do we cut this off? Oh, my God. He's calling me to the carpet. See, you know, you play the race card a lot. You want to, uh, come on, come on. Like, what kind of response is that? Don't be a Republican. Stop. Stop, because the left is already using our argument. See, I talked about Andrew Yang before. We're going to visit that quickly, right? We're going to visit that quickly. But she looked like she was pleading. Like, please don't, don't, don't. Don't, don't, don't. Joe Manchin and, is and a problem. It's Joe, and, it's Joe, and it's Joe Biden. And I'm vice president. And my name is Kamala Harris. Timmy Fair. She had to remind him her name. She had to remind him who she is. Super interesting, isn't that? Super interesting. I, I think that's fascinating, actually. Um, we're going to talk about that interview tomorrow, though. Now... Speaking of, tell me a Republican. I don't know if you guys missed it or not, but Andrew Yang about a month ago came out and said that the two-party system is dead. I did have that conversation, I, I think, with Byrne yesterday where I said, we're just going to tear down the RNC and the DNC. It's over. No GOP, no Dem party, nothing. Mm, they want to make a third party like, and see that doesn't work in a society with, that you have polarized. You can't bring a third leg and say, let's go. The only thing you could do is go with no leg and say, fuck the system. But take a listen to what he says. Could be put aside, but my next guest has his doubts. Andrew Yang was a fascinating presidential candidate 2020 among the most fascinating I ever had a chance to talk to because he spoke outside the dots. He, he united a lot of Republicans and Democrats with ideas that didn't stick with labels. But the problem in this environment is we tend to stick with labels. Uh, Andrew Yang joins us right now, the former uh, presidential candidate in 2020, got an enormous amount of buzz, ran for New York mayor, didn't win, uh, but he quit the race when it was looking like he wouldn't rather than drag things out. I'm delighted to have him right now. Andrew, good to have you. Neil, it's great to be here. Thanks for having me. Um, what do you make of, of, you know, we've always had bickering within parties. That's not new. I don't want to overstate it, but it seems like they're poles apart uh, within each party. And I'm just wondering whether the Democratic Party did you quit on it or did it quit on you? <laughs> well, there are a couple of things going on that Americans sense around us, Neil. First, polarization between the parties is at record highs uh, and it, it's driving political stress and anxiety, making Americans feel like our, our fellow uh, countrymen aren't uh, even like on the same page or, or in the same nation. And then within each party, you have a couple of factions that, in my view, ought to comprise separate parties instead of trying to, to have them under the same tent, where if you had a genuine multi-party system in America, in my view, there'd be five parties. There'd be progressive Democrats, moderate mm -hmm. Democrats, a group of centrists, moderate Republicans, and then conservative Republicans. And I'm going to suggest that that, that system would actually work better because you'd have much more, more like a parliamentary system where parties then have to form alliances, they get power. Of course, I'm going too far there, but is the problem that the two-party system as we know it is just 
getting a little long in the teeth. It really is. And if you go way back, Neil, to our founding fathers, they never would have wanted a two-party system. John Adams said two parties would be a great evil. George Washington was anti-partisan in his farewell address for good reason. The two-party system is an invention that now has run its course, but we haven't been able to move on from it, even though we can see that it is now working and has not been working for quite some time. But, you know, I was thinking that when you were coming there, there are inflection points where it's deemed the two-party system fails and a new party emerges at the time of Abraham Lincoln, what became known as the Republican Party. But it's rare. Why is it so rare? It's rare because the duopoly suppresses all competition. (laughs) If you're an independent, right now, independents outnumber Republicans or Democrats by the numbers in this country. Let's say you're a libertarian. If you try and contest uh, a particular race, you find yourself shut out. There are these primaries that control the process where it disenfranchises literally millions of Americans. 10% of Americans are right now deciding 83% of races, which means the other 90% of us are on the outside looking at you had the trouble to not being a well-financed candidate. So you took on sort of like you were like a brush fire. Took out. People were really intrigued by you. But the system has in its place the, the moneyed candidate tends, not all the time, but I'd say like 99 percent of the time to have the edge in an Iowa and then a New Hampshire. And before you know it, it's a fait complete. Now, it was a little different for Joe Biden, where he got his act together, I think, in South Carolina. But is it the structure of the primary system that does it, or is it just the way it's evolved? The primary system does advantage certain candidates. And in the Democratic Party, you can tell that there, there is a bit of a thumb on the scale being applied from folks in D.C. very often. The Republican Party is actually a little bit more open, where whoever wins the most votes uh, ends up in, in Washington. But you saw it with the way that the DNC sandbagged Bernie uh, in both of the last cycles, they weren't like, oh, let the voters decide. It was more like, let, let's try and have the right candidate win. But Bernie might be getting the advantage, right? I mean, he, the rap you hear against Joe Biden is he campaigned as a moderate, but progressives are calling the shots. And Bernie Sanders is is leading the parade. Do you agree with that? Well, again, in my view, the Democratic Party should probably be two separate parties at, at this point. And you can see the tensions within them. And you can say, well, trying to get them in the same tent might facilitate them working together. In my view, the real problem is that there are a number of moderate Republicans who would support aspects of, for example, the infrastructure package. But because of political pressures, that there is such a fissure that if they cross over, then they wind up getting criticized by Trump, uh, even though historically the Republican Party has been for rebuilding bridges and roads. Yeah. In fact, I remember distinctly President Trump wanting it. Wanted two, to rebuild bridges and roads. Right, <laughs> they want to go big. And now he's criticizing this plan that was a third of that. But be that as it may, he might um, run again. Looks like he is. And he might win. What do you think of that? I think that Trump is probably the going to be the Republican nominee. Uh, and I think that Joe Biden is probably going to be the Democratic nominee. Uh, and I, I'm going to suggest that a lot of Americans might want something a little bit different, uh, that this might not be a movie you wanted the sequel <laughs> to. Where, where Godzilla is Rodan going to be on Well, yeah, I mean, it's pretty similar to the first movie, at least, you know, from, from the well, beginning. Why don't third-party candidates? I, I remember you and I were chatting during the break. There were a lot of people, I remember, who watched you and, and marveled at you in debates and you were very skillful I said you know i'd vote for him but you know it's a is it a wasted vote is it does he get have really a chance and 
I always thought if people who actually thought that voted that way, it would be a different thing. Just as when we've had third party candidates in presidential races. Remember John Anderson in 1980, I guess it was. You know, I like him, but he doesn't have a chance. Or uh, whether you like or dislike a Pat Buchanan, I like him, but he doesn't have a chance. Uh, Ralph Nader, like him, doesn't have a chance. That if more and more people thought that that person was on equal footing, it would be different. It's one reason I appreciate you so much, Neil, because a lot of that happens in the media. And, and I think the most prominent recent example was Ross Perot in 92, got 19.3% right. of the vote. The way we make this happen in real life right now in the United States of America is shift to nonpartisan open primaries so that anyone can run for any position. You can vote for anyone you want and have a process that gets rid of this spoiler effect, where right now the cudgel that gets used is, well, if you vote for this person, it's going to screw it up for this person. Right, exactly. And so that's an archaic voting system that we use, the plurality voting system. If you shift to something more modern, like, for example, right choice voting, then you can vote for whomever you want. You can lead with the libertarian and then put the Republican second, and then no one can accuse the libertarian of messing anything up. All it takes is just a modernization of the voting system, which is what my party the forward party is now championing. This is a movement to enable independents to have a seat at the table. And to get everyone in, you know, to get everyone into the process. Yes, and the great thing, Neil, is that even if the same people win, their incentives would be better if you had nonpartisan open primaries, because right now the fact is you're going to answer to this 10% of the most partisan voters that control whether you get reelected. You're not actually... Uh, delivering for 51% of the population is just the 10%. Yeah. You know, as a business person, those are bad incentives. Like you want incentives where it's like, look, if I make 51% of you happy, then I come back. Let me ask you this. You never complained about it when you were running, but I've always thought that our country was open to an African-American president. Our, pre our country was open to a female vice president. Um, Asian-American thing, not so much. Do you think that okay we had to turn that off because he was pulling the asian card that's the new race card okay now up until that point that conversation was exceptional you have to agree andrew yang made very good points <clears throat> because remember how yesterday <clears throat> i was saying that um you know i was actually mulling the idea of running for governor just to fucking wreck it all right and and then walk out obviously Speaking to the only person that I would ask to run on the ticket with me, so it could be two girls, you know, the thing was, well, if it's done, you know, it's going to be like attacks and, you know, disgusting things. And it's like, that's okay. I mean, uh, I mean, we had the worst of the worst come at us recycling the same shit, which, by the way, I wanted to point out. See, you know, my attorney, Russell, got my whole case from the Attorney General um, of North Dakota. And already in the state of North Dakota, the rule is you can't sue anyone until, um, you know, you give notice. So we gave notice to the state that we're suing them uh, for the lawfare. And... Um, He announced that he's retiring. The guy that wanted to be governor and lost a few times because he was handing out cookies, 
whose first wife has blue hair, second wife divorced him. I don't know, had something to do with him doing something to her kid, but you know, that disappeared. And then his third wife, which was the trophy thing. Um, and then all the complaints that I put in, he's not allowed to practice anymore. So he's retiring. Um, he says he wants to, uh, travel abroad more and, um, uh, you know, retire and travel um, with his new, uh, his most recent wife, Beth. So he's out of the picture now. North Dakota is still getting sued. He already got sued for throwing some other woman in jail. Literally, she went to federal prison and then her, it was overturned and he owed her money. He stole her company. Um, Susan Bala is her name. You guys need to read that story, what he did to her. Um, <clears throat> and um, he then colluded with people in Nevada to steal the money so he doesn't have to pay her back. I kid you not. This is the attorney general that went after me, uh, that went after me. And that was because I was a thorn in his ass. So, um, you know, now he's not running. It's very coincidental considering, you know, his cousin is that chick that owns Oxygen and Nickelodeon, <laughs> the one that I posted pictures on Epstein's chat. You know, his speed dial had Obama. Him and Obama were very close. Uh, he was invited to McCain's funeral. I need not say most of the trafficking that happens from Native American reservations come from up north. Uh, there's an actual trail of tears from North Dakota to Nevada that then get exported down to Mexico. Um, <clears throat> there was a quadruple homicide, which is called the Mandan Massacre, where they convinced the population that this guy did it and that he was a flash, that under 12 minutes he went to four different locations on the property, shot two people, and then gutted others, gave one of them a Colombian necktie, and then changed his clothes and collected all the bullets under 12 minutes, which is literally impossible. But, you know, I digress. So anyway, that would be recycled again. <clears throat> and things that <laughs> shouldn't be mentioned will definitely be mentioned because they're snakes and disgusting evil human beings like Akbar, the terrorist, who's going to go down. I told him he would. Um, but I'm actually thinking about it because um, what Yang said makes sense. There's always a straight party ticket. I mean, I could put down Republican and run with the Republican ticket. I would crush anyone that's running on that ticket. I think it would be against DeWine. I would crush him. But the problem is with the GOP that they will only take you on, not if you have the most votes, but if you raise the most money. That's the only time they'll even give you a seat at the table to talk. So that's the problem. The problem is, is that they won't give you a seat at the table to talk unless you raise the money. That's how they see if you're a viable candidate. Raise me money and then we'll talk. And it's like, no, you don't have to. Um, and why not? I mean, I'm just, I'm just, I'm saying what he's saying is not wrong. I remember in history, Yang played a pivotal point. I actually believed that he was going to be the nominee, but now he's created a new party called Forward. Um, and, uh, he wants people to just run. And that would be ideal. 
I mean, that conversation was actually quite well put together before Cavuto tried to make it all about race and shit, right? Um, and, and remember, most affluent persons believe that UBI will help those less fortunate. And that's because they can't fathom living on such small amounts of money. Um, which is very doable. I mean, we've all done it. I've, I've been doing it. Um, <clears throat> so, you know, uh, there's a lot of people that are talking about other businessmen running. And the problem with that is, is um, usually the best people to run are the strange people, the people that give zero fucks, the people that are full of ideas, and the people that can maintain composure. And I'm already seeing, uh, obviously, the Roger Stone, um, but there's other Roger Stones types that are now canvassing uh, to run people like that. And that um, is a concern because, see, a lot of people see people doing badassery and they're just like, yeah, because a lot of you fell in love with President Trump because he was self-made. Oh, he wasn't self-made. He got a million dollar loan from his dad. It's like, yeah, so he made everything after that. So, you know, very smart people that are not libertarian per se, but they like to look at things from a very intellectual and 40,000 foot view perspective are great to have conversations about policies, but they're not great as, like I would suck as a politician, suck. I would be a lot of fun, but it has to be short term because I would suck. So, <clears throat> what Yang is saying is quite fascinating because it aligns with the fact that I'm like, yeah, we just need to destroy this whole system that they have in place. This is what President Trump, I believe, should have done already. He should have done while he was in office and he didn't because that was his intention coming in. I mean, he annihilated 17, uh, there were 17 people. He annihilated all of them. Well-seasoned politicians. Why? Because he spoke like one of us, he spoke to us in ways that made sense. Now we're watching a lot of people resign. And like I mentioned, uh, you know, the attorney general of North Dakota has decided to retire when he was already having an exploratory committee last year when he thought that he was so, you know, safe um, to run for governor. So Having said that, what is the common factor that has come out recently that um, has caused all these resignations that people are not seeing? Um, and that would be the only case people really don't want to talk about. Here we go. Down has begun for Ghislaine Maxwell. Well, and today began their first full day of deliberations on the alleged accomplice of sex offender Jeffrey Epstein, who did not kill himself. They reportedly just ended for the day. The trial concluded after just three weeks. It was initially projected to take up to six. Prosecutors brought four women forward to testify in the case, and Maxwell herself declined to speak. So... Did the prosecutors bring enough to the table to convict the alleged madam here to discuss attorney and professor at Northwestern Law, a great school? They've got purple colors. Andrew Stoltman is back. Welcome back, sir. Thank you. Uh, so has the prosecution done enough? 
No, I think a third year law student could have won this case. And for some reason, Kennedy, it seems like prosecutors are basically going half speed in this case. Now, I don't know if it's because Mr. Epstein was affiliated with some of the richest, wealthiest men in society. This case was supposed to last six weeks long. It lasted three weeks. The opening statement was 35 minutes. They only called four of the victims when there were hundreds. I don't know what's going on, but it's very, very suspicious at this point and it's causing a lot of people to scratch their heads so obviously and you know we thought well this is curious they're only focusing on four of the women and then you know the logic was well maybe that's all they need maybe you know this this case is so damning and these witnesses are so solid so if she is in fact acquitted can she be tried in other venues with other victims telling their stories. No, these prosecutors got one bite at the apple and there's all this low hanging fruit and they go after this person who look, I think she did it. I think she's going to be found guilty, but there's so many other people who haven't been charged yet, Kennedy. And the question is why these prosecutors asked her virtually no question about any of the other enablers. Who else were the passengers on the Lolita Express? It's inexcusable. And I don't know what they're hiding. I don't know who they're covering for, but it's really, really upsetting. We need to get to the bottom. Who's resigning? Yes, and if you if you read some of the books and if you watch, especially the Netflix documentary, there were a lot of other people involved who saw abuse taking place. And you know, the question is, like, if based on the evidence that we've seen and heard about, if it's not a slam dunk, why haven't they talked to some of those people? So, is the only explanation that they are safeguarding the reputations? of rich and powerful men who were sexually abusing teenage girls? Men and women, look at all the resignations. Deals are made. You must retire, you little bitch, because your cousin was on that plane. You've been on that fucking plane. And I said it. You watch. All of them are resigning. And the only common factor that all these people are mass resigning is this. Now, could it be that they participated in the acts? Yes. But could it also be that they participated in procuring individuals or their own children or their siblings' children or, 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 right? Children just sitting and watching and knowing. See, that's how you get to the bottom of it. Why are they all resigning? Why are they all early retirement? It's so tr uh, troublesome, Kennedy. And look, if it wasn't for that wonderful reporter with the Miami Herald, none of this would have came to light. So I hope she doesn't have to do more digging and publish more articles. But that's the $64,000 question. This is the Southern District of New York that has one of the best reputations in America in terms of prosecutors. And why they've only charged her, I don't know. Now, you know what prosecutors rate. say, Kennedy. Yeah, and they always say, oh, well, we're still investigating. It's been years. Where are the other charges? Where are the charges against the enablers? And how come she's the only one who's been prosecuted? There are no good answers for that. I'm waiting to hear their response. Because she was with him every step of the way. And she was also allegedly abusing these women, partaking in the abuse. And, you know, it's like shipping them not only across state lines, but to his disgusting little pedophile island. You know, she is guilty. She's culpable if these victims are to be believed. 
And there are so many of them and their stories are consistent. I know the defense really went after these women. Is that a good tactic for the jury? Are you just throwing all caution to the wind because you just need one person to have reasonable doubt? Look, these sexual assault cases are really, really hard for prosecutors to win for a multitude of reasons, right? Because she has a dream team of lawyers. These are events that happened 15 to 20 years ago, and their main defense is basically picking apart at the credibility of these four victims. But Kennedy, that's why you call 15, 20, 30 different victims, put them all up on the stand to establish what's called pattern evidence, because it's very hard for a jury to discount the testimony of 25 or 30 victims. When you only put four up there, then it's real easy to pick them apart. And my question is, how come prosecutors didn't call more victims to bolster the testimony Mm -hmm. of these four poor victims? Because they needed to save face. They needed to save face. Definitely needed to save face. Definitely needed to save face. That's what they need, to save face. This is why they're all resigning. This is why they're all resigning. And I hate deals. We said no deals. But what they do need is to save face on a global stage. See, It's very important for people to understand just how complex it's a layer among layer. Let's just look at it from a perspective of elections. Okay. And your candidates, here's one of the layers that you were under. You remember the story of uh, the princess and the pea, and she could feel the pea at the bottom. You're the fucking pea. And all those mattresses are layers of deception on top. Deception, complete deception. And you know, it's, it's, it's really important for people to understand scriptures in this time. Because a lot of people think that the Antichrist is going to come and he's going to be like, bear my mark. Cause I said so. No, no. Do my bidding. Cause I said so. No. Bear my mark because then you'll survive. You'll live. You'll be able to have your Excelsior Pass and enter into places and have all these freedoms that, you know, you can enjoy if you just take it because you'll be safe. Oh, you want? Well, then I'll round you up because you're a health hazard. Do my bidding and life will be a lot easier. Come to me a lot easier to you. See, even CNN is concerned. Why have they asked for transcripts? They're deliberating and they're asking for transcripts. Yes. CNN, Pedo News Network is asking these questions as well. Um, Jury's deliberating there as well. Also asking some significant questions. And Paul, I want to start with you on this one. Um, They asked for transcripts from some of the alleged victims, but not all of them. Three out of the four. And that really stood out to you. Why? Well, it stood out to me because the three victims uh, that they asked for uh, transcripts on told more complex stories, uh, and they really, um, their entire involvement uh, with Maxwell was much more complex and over a, a more extended period of time. The final fourth victim that they asked no questions about, it was a relatively simple encounter between Maxwell and her that was testified about. So I think it kind of looks like Maybe they're accepting the testimony of one victim, but not the other three. But I'm just going to throw out one thing before we turn this over to my friend, Mr. Jackson. 
Watch out for the sleeper charges in this case against Maxwell. There are two perjury counts, mm -hmm. and I think those were rather easily proven by the prosecutor. So those are counts that um, you can see the jury turning to in the end if they're hung on some of the other counts. We will. I will add that to my notes. I appreciate that, Counselor. Um, also, when in other words, perjury is what they'll get her on if they don't trust the victims. Hmm. I wonder how many people from CNN are leaving, too, in light of this common factor of a trial going forward and all these people are stepping down. One of the things I found is the jurors were asked if testimony of one of the alleged victims, Annie Farmer, could be considered conspiracy to commit a crime with two of these counts, Joey. Put that in English for me. <laughs> so what happens is first we have to define what conspiracy means. Remember that when you're conspiring, you're intending with another to engage in an illegal act. What illegal act is that? The illegal act, of course, of transporting minors for purposes of gratification and, and sex, etc. And so what you have to conclude if you're the jury is that she did, that is Miss Maxwell, engage in this intent with another to agree. And so that's the charge. And then you want to determine whether and how that charge can be proven. Is there evidence that was proffered to this jury by that particular witness, Ms. Farmer, that would give us the indication that she knew or had some sense that there was this agreement between these two parties? And so that's very important. And just one other quick point, and that's this, to Paul's excellent analysis. And when, the, when they looked at this, the jurors, that is, they also asked for the FBI notes from 2007. That was significant because let's remember that there was an interview in particular of one of the uh, accusers where there were, from a jury's point of view, they could say inconsistencies. Why? Because the defense happened to point that out. You were interviewed by the FBI in 2017. You didn't happen to mention any of these things you're telling the jury now. And so I think that also goes to their parsing of the specific testimony of these accusers and whether it moves the ball towards a conviction. Were their stories truthful? Were their memories accurate? Could they be relied upon to ultimately, you know, get the facts right from something that happened so long ago? Paul, as a former prosecutor, there's been a lot of talk about how difficult this case is, frankly, for the prosecution. Do you agree with that? Yes, I do. It's an extraordinarily difficult case. And it's difficult because you're talking about things that happened sometimes more than 20 years ago. And you're trying to recreate that for the jury and get them to uh, to rely on it. Very, very tough for prosecutors to do that. They do it, of course, by calling an alleged victim and then trying to corroborate her testimony by testimony that, for instance, she told boyfriends that this had happened 20 years ago so that there is some corroboration of the uh, claim. But, you know, if you're sitting in a jury room trying to decide whether somebody's going to go to jail for 70 years, you want to be pretty certain about uh, the reliability of the testimony. And that's what the jury is struggling with. You know, the judge gave 80 pages of instructions uh, to this jury. That's how complex this mm -hmm. case is. So they're struggling with a lot of facts. Paul Callen, Joey Jackson, appreciate it. It's called Merry Christmas. Now, let me show you what they're talking about. This is an article that I wrote back in, oh, where's the date? 2019, July. When I talked about how Wexner primed young girls. And what's important about this article is the person that I mentioned in the article just to show and flex. Let's find it quickly. 
So they talk about farmer, as you heard. <clears throat> Let me read this to you. For those that haven't read this article. Were Epstein and Wexner simply business partner? It seems that Epstein and Wexner had more than just a business relationship. A victim of Epstein's says something different. Maria Farmer, an aspiring artist, she was an artist, artist, was promised work as an art collector in 1995. <laughs> art, right? But she ended up being Epstein's Upper East Side bouncer and taking names of all guests. She said that in 1996, Epstein had supposedly set up an art project for her to work at Leslie Wexner's mansion in New Albany, Ohio. Farmer stated that it was at Wexner's that it was at Wexner's Wexner's property that Maxwell and Epstein sexually assaulted her. Farmer stated that when she tried to leave the property with her two younger brothers that were with her, Wexner's security team refused to let them leave, and her father had to drive from Kentucky to retrieve them. In 2013, Wexner's chief financial officer, Stuart Bergdufer, spoke at a conference describing why young girls are ditching training bras and getting lingerie. He described why it's appealing to little girls. They want to be older, and they want to be cool like the girl in college, and that's part of the magic. And that's when they started to make the pink line. So I want you guys to understand how perverted they are. Oh, right. It just so happened that Wexner also resigned, didn't he? See, there are so many articles that I've written on this. It's ridiculous. I'm trying to see if I can show you the one with pictures because it wasn't happenstance that my website was taken down with all that information. I also have an Epstein meme gallery. This is a fabulous article. Who made Epstein a money mongol? Um, Epstein business partner Clinton Foundation received money for Epstein's services here. Now, in this one, I had a ton of pictures. I wonder if they're still there. I put all the people that flew <laughs> on the plane. You see... This chick, Jerry and Kit Laborn, yeah, Jerry's uh, Attorney General Wayne Stengem's cousin, founders of Nickelodeon and Oxygen. Here are some lovely pictures. Let's see if you can see them all. They're on Pinterest, really? Who put them on Pinterest? That's interesting. Hmm. They were actually put there? Oh, to save it as a pin. Okay. Here you'll see Jeff Bezos. You'll see a bunch of people, right? Let me see. Are the jet photos in here? Here's the jet photo. Can I open it? I have to open it in a new tab. Let me swap it over for you so you can actually see it. See, I had all of these <clears throat> pictures. This is John Brockman, Steven Pinker, you know, the MIT people all hanging out on the Lolita Express, right? All of them hanging out on the Lolita Express. All of them. All of them. You know, I was actually quite shocked to see the Bucker land once um, with his own private jet and generals just jumping on it. <laughs> so interesting. Generals jumping on it. This is really interesting, isn't it? I don't know if you guys have seen this. Here's Microsoft. Uh, he's one of the, the ex-Microsoft um, founder. Um, 
here is um, Guffrey, where I have part of her affidavit in there. Here we have pictures, more pictures, more pictures. Look, that's Google Eric Schmidt. This Banu when she was 12 to 13 years old. Look at all these people. Larry Page of Google, Jeff Bezos, Sergey Brin of Google, right? Look at that. Remember this girl? Hmm? Remember this article where everyone doesn't want to talk about it? I had to like screenshot and put it in there because they've scrubbed it from everywhere where it's where Donald Trump kicked them the fuck out. And Michael Wolf is a liar. He was a frequenter on the Lolita Express. Yeah, you're not seeing it. Sorry. Here we go. Here are all the pictures. Here's your Microsoft guy. Um, Jeff Bezos. I put their names in there so you could see it. Here's Guffrey. Harvard Law Professor Alan Dershowitz. Frequently. Here's some pictures. The United States also agrees that it will not institute any criminal charges against a potential co-conspirators of Epstein, including but not limited to Sarah Kalen. So weird. This is Sarah Kalen right here. Silicon Valley dudes. Eric Schmidt. All Kelly Bovino actually sent me a cease and desist to take her name off of it. She's an actress. But you were at the Epstein party. I'm sorry. <laughs> That's not happening. Um... Here's the article that they purged, how he banned Epstein. I found it. I have it. And Michael Wolf, who's the picture at the front, is a liar. He was a frequenter on the Lolita Express, and the night he was on it, heading to Monterey, he was so excited to have dinner with Rupert Murdoch that he almost couldn't come and was sweating, said our anonymous source who provided us a walkthrough on the three-day event of February 20th to 23rd, 2002. Epstein made sure it was special for him. I hope that jogs Wolf's memory because with the investigation reopened and facts coming out, he may be in for a surprise. Uh, and um, just so you know, here is him at the Epstein event, by the way. In 2007, Michael Wolf had claimed he flew on Jeffrey Epstein's chat in the 90s, claiming that young girls were on the plane, weren't on the plane. He lied. He was on Epstein's chat well into the 2000s with younger girls, specifically on February 20th, 2002. We have the details on that. So um, I have written extensively on this Epstein, uh, the Epstein files. Uh, the Clinton Foundation received money for Epstein services. Um, this is where, uh, you know, they were at the naval base in Japan. Um, these are the passengers uh, where they were on. Uh, I have U.S. Army General <laughs> procurement agents um, to cater sex trafficking client needs for FIFA. 2002. So they were getting people for that. Cindy Lopez, Epstein sex slave, Sarah Kalin, Epstein sex slave slash recruiter, clean energy advisor for Dresner, uh, KW Bank, director of Singapore. Um, Zhang Zemin, former president of China. Yang Zemin, security detail. They were all, you know, together in China and where they went, you know. And um, they went to Brunei, where there was a harem of girls. And 
Here's just a couple of pictures of these nice jets that they would get into, right? Just to hang out. Here they are hanging out with the Sultan, right? These are things that people don't want to talk about. See, all of that is on ToriSays.com. Uh, you could go there and simply um, go to the search little tab there, type in Epstein, and it'll come up. Uh, I revamped it, so that way it's a lot lighter and you can find things a lot easier. See, the Epstein thing isn't going away, but the people that were involved are. And there should be no deals in that matter. Now, let's take a quick break. You know, in that, I want to share something that I like so much. I hurt myself today To see if I still feel I focus on the pain The only thing that's real The needle tears a hole The unfamiliar sting Try to kill it all away But I remember everything What have I become? My sweetest friend Everyone I know Goes away in the end you could have it all My empire of dirt I will let you down I will make you hurt I think that was a great cover. What do you guys think? All right, so let's start talking about a few things that have been happening. As we know, the J6 committee has been moving along with their interrogations. <laughs> and they're, we're going to get Trump. Now, Jim Jordan is uh, being called to the carpet after the doctoring of text messages of Adam Schiff, uh, which is, again, something that he's a perpetual serial. So breaking today, the Congressional <laughs> Committee investigating the January 6th attack at the U.S. Capitol says they want to hear from Ohio Congressman Jim Jordan. Investigators say Jordan made it known that he had spoken with the president on the day of the attack and was reportedly involved in efforts to challenge the results of last year's election. Jordan becomes the second member of Congress to be asked to volunteer information. He has not responded. Yeah, he's not going to respond. Another person is, uh, you know, obviously General Flynn was called. And this is the news that broke today, earlier today, which is pretty weird. Hold on. Let me play it for you rather than say it to you before we get into the Candace Owens interview. Here we go. Former National Security Advisor Michael Flynn already hitting a roadblock in his lawsuit against the January 6th committee. Flynn will not get a temporary restraining order 
that would, for now, shield him from having to give a deposition. In the lawsuit, Flynn's lawyers allege that he is being, quote, irreparably and illegally coerced to produce information and testimony in violation of the law and his constitutional rights. Joining me now is NBC News Justice Correspondent Pete Williams. And to steal these words from you, sir... Well, that was fast. (laughs) It was because Flynn just asked for this temporary restraining order yesterday. So he's got the lawsuit. But in the meantime, he said to the judge, you know, I want you to immediately issue a ruling that will block this subpoena. But the judge says today, no, she's not going to do that for a couple of reasons. Number one, she says there's no evidence of any urgency here. His uh, deposition where he'd have to show up and answer questions has been postponed with no date set. And secondly, his date for producing documents was November 23rd. There doesn't seem to be any urgency to the committee taking any steps to uh, get him to respond to that or taking any, any other steps uh, in, in view of that. So the judge basically says there's no urgency here. And secondly, she says his lawyers failed to follow the federal rules of the way you normally would do this sort of thing. So back to the lawsuit. What Flynn is trying to do here is get the subpoena thrown out. He says, as you note, that it would violate his First Amendment rights. He says it inquires into his political views. He says it touches on matters that might involve a criminal investigation, so it violates his Fifth Amendment rights. And then he also says that the House committee doesn't have the proper legal authority to do this because of the way it was set up under House rules and because it doesn't have a legislative purpose. So those are those are all similar arguments to what are being uh, raised in these lawsuits that have been filed by other people who have been subpoenaed by the committee and are trying to resist it in court. And I think it's fair to say that the goal in all these lawsuits is the same, delay. Delay, delay, delay. Pete Williams. Pete, thank you very much. Yes. uh, You know, this is a big problem for a lot of people. And, you know, uh, it's it's important that people understand that Ali Akbar is throwing every, I mean, he even went as far as to say that the Tea Party was working with Liz Cheney. Like the guy is fucking insane. Um, Liz Cheney (laughs) and the Kremers don't get along at all. So it was the most ridiculous, uh, you know, he's just blowing smoke because he's trying to put people in a corner. And the new argument is, hey, if you run, they can't investigate because that's not courtesy. So you may be safe. So why don't you just run? I know who's pulling all the strings. I mean, there's some really weird back talk. And the thing is, you know, this is going to drag on. They're going to drag it on. And um, because they want to create the segregation. You know, I know a lot of people are leaving California. They're leaving Illinois. They're leaving New York. They're leaving all these blue big cities for Florida, for Texas, for Ohio, for Tennessee, for Kentucky, for Oklahoma even. But that was the plan. They want you to leave because then they create the cities in the country. They create the place that they say, you come here. You're going to be scanned. It's going to be lovely. And it'll be lovely for the first three generations that go in there. And then it's going to be disgusting. It'll, It'll be terrible. People in those cities will be terrified of people outside of the city that all of them are sick. You've seen the Elysium movies, everything. This is what they want. And the thing is, what we have to do is stand up for those cities like New York, where they're going to be sending people to their homes to forcibly jab them. After January 5th, New York will have laws that they can be detained with no trial if they're considered a public health hazard. This is a very, this is my hometown. I grew up there. It is 
so sad to watch it happen and everyone sitting there and complying. They quickly forget the messages, but ah, people are remembering. Now, not only that, globally right now, cities that haven't been organized in the same fashion as Washington, D.C., or how they used to in the olden times. If you look at archaeologists and when they, you know, unearth all these cities, what you'll notice is the palace had all of their administrative buildings collected around them, you know, for ease of operation. And then those buildings were walled in and protected with big balls. You can't come in. Did you know that Egypt is building a new capital? So there, there's going to be a new Cairo. Did you know that? I wanted to show you that. This is just one of many cities around the world that are doing this. All of this is happening while we're busy uh, putting out fires. Well intended, of course, right? From here, if we, we see the Sahara Desert, an arid landscape with nothing but a few highways crossing along. But these satellite images you're looking at are from 2015. Ever since, a lot has changed, as the Egyptian government is completely transforming this region. What you see here is the construction of a new capital city, right in the middle of the desert. But why are they building a new capital? And why did they choose this unfavorable location for the project? You have probably seen these traffic maps that Google displays for its navigation service, where green roads means little to no traffic and red indicates strong congestion. This is how Cairo looks like on those maps in the morning. Traffic has become a real problem, just as the city's growth in general represents a massive political challenge. Of the 104 million inhabitants of Egypt, Around 20 million live in the metropolitan area of Cairo. While the government buildings in many of the world's capital cities are bundled together in one place in order to simplify cooperation within the government, the Egyptian ministries are currently spread all across the city. This makes for long distances, congestion and heavy pollution. And even when the ministries are closer together, like around centrally located Tahir Square, the infrastructure is simply overloaded. Not only are there a number of ministries located, but also the Egyptian parliament, which requires special security measures and sometimes has to be cordoned off. Additionally, located right on Tahir Square is the Mugama. This is the main administrative building in Egypt where citizen requests are processed. So the political administration is a massive burden for Cairo, a city that is already under growth pressure. The population of Greater Cairo has been increasing rapidly for decades, at a rate at which urban expansion just can't keep up. And it is a development that doesn't only affect Cairo. In fact, the population of the entire country is growing at a rate that is higher than the growth of the world population. And the Egyptian government considers this a key threat to the country's prosperity. As far as housing is concerned, most of Egypt is dominated by the Sahara Desert, which is sparsely populated. This map of population distribution shows most people living along the Nile and in the Nile Delta, where there is water for agriculture and industry, as well as a milder climate and fertile soil. The land for cities to naturally expand is completely exhausted. 
And since the Nile is the main source of water, accounting for 97% of fresh water in the country, the population growth also leads to a supply problem here. As explained in detail in my video on the conflict between Ethiopia and Egypt, the Egyptian government regards the country's dependence on the Nile as a threat to its national security. As today, Egypt is already suffering from water scarcity. Since the Egyptian government is facing these massive challenges with population growth, it is therefore trying to buy time, and has initiated a campaign under the motto, Two is Enough, discouraging people from having more than two children, as well as making contraceptives more widely available and affordable. But even if politically unwanted, the reality of population growth demands answers. With only one option left, unfavorable as it is. Egypt saw itself forced to build new cities in the desert. Since the 1970s, massive new development projects have been set up around Cairo with the aim of reducing the strain on the capital city. In 1977, construction began on the 10th of Ramadan city. In 1979, on the opposite side of Cairo, the 6th of October city was built. Adjacent to it, in 1995, the Sheikh Zayed city. As well as in the east, the cities of Abur, al Sharuk, Badr, and Medinity. As well as the largest such project to date, New Cairo, which construction began in the year 2000. These cities are not suburbs in the traditional sense, because the intention was not only to relieve Cairo of housing requirements, but rather to establish new separate metropolitan areas with their own local economy. In addition to large industrial complexes, these newer cities also host many internationally oriented schools and universities. The Greater Cairo area is growing at an enormous pace, and it seems that every new project exceeds the previously developed cities both in size and in ambition. Yet still, the project currently under development can hardly be surpassed in terms of ambition. As the government is now creating a completely new capital, east of Cairo and New Cairo. Let's take a look at the plans for this city in detail. First of all, as a new capital, this administrative area was established, which will house all different ministries of the Egyptian government. These will move from their current spread-out locations in Cairo to these ministry buildings which extend opposite one another along one central axis. Centrally located is the cabinet building in which the various government ministers can meet to coordinate their work. At one end of the axis there is a circular development in which other national institutions are located, including the post office headquarters and the Egyptian Central Bank. On the other side of the axis is People's Square, which will include the largest flagpole in the world, as well as two open theaters. This square is anchored by a large arc building, the Unknown Soldier Monument, referencing pharaonic architecture and commemorating fallen soldiers. This People's Square will also likely be the setting for future military parades. On the other side of the square, there are two buildings for the two chambers of the Egyptian parliament, 
the House of Representatives and the Senate. And north of this area is the Presidential Palace, the seat of the head of state of Egypt, which is also the most politically powerful position in the country. This new administrative center may seem straightforward. It resembles a formula that many planned capitals in the world follow, a large area full of grand city squares and wide avenues that demonstrate strength. And yet it is a layout that keeps the country's most important institutions relatively compact together. But where this Egyptian capital certainly stands out from other countries is with the sheer size of one ministry, the Egyptian Ministry of Defense. This is the Octagon. Comprised of 10 buildings, it is the new headquarters of the Egyptian Ministry of Defense as well as the Egyptian military and houses control, analysis and data centers. When completed, this will be the largest defense complex in the world, surpassing the Pentagon in the United States. These buildings are part of an extended area with facilities for employees and military personnel. Apartment units, places of worship, hotels, schools, hospitals and administrative services, all located in this circular defense district. In a way, this is a city within a city. And the scale of this complex also serves as a strong reminder of the large role the military plays politically in Egypt. Ever since the military overthrow of Mohamed Morsi, the country has been ruled by former General Abdel Fattah al-Sisi. While these two areas are almost exclusively characterized by government buildings, the new capital is by no means intended to serve purely as an administrative center. Rather, the intention is for this city to become a new global center with a strong economy and vibrant city life. For example, two ambitious sports centers are being built in the very north and south of the city. In Sports City, there are a number of outdoor fields, as well as a large indoor hall which has already served as the venue for the 2021 World Men's Handball Championship. The sports complex in the south of the city, the Egypt International Olympic City, is even bigger. Two indoor stadiums, as well as Olympic complexes for tennis, squash, aquatics, equestrian, and a large national stadium with a capacity of 90,000 spectators is under construction. The Egyptian government has also publicly signaled interest in applying for hosting global sports events such as the Olympics, as well as the FIFA World Cup. Additionally, large places of worship were built in the new city including two mosques in the east and west of the city, with the Al-Fatah al-Alim now being the largest mosque in the country. Also, a Coptic Orthodox cathedral was built, the Cathedral of the Nativity of Christ, which also is the largest of such in the country. While Sunni Islam is by far the most widespread religion in Egypt, Coptic Orthodox Christians represent the second largest religious group. There are also a number of universities being built across the city, many of them international institutions, as well as the Knowledge City and Knowledge Hub areas, where several learning institutions are bundled together. 
In line with the country's Vision 2030 initiative, these universities also show that the intent is to create infrastructure that can drive innovation and boost the economy. And what would a capital city be without office and high-rise buildings? These are built in the Central Business District. Here, the construction of the iconic tower is underway, which, when completed, will be the tallest building in all of Africa. And it's just the beginning, because an even taller building is already being planned here, called Oblisco. This tower's design will directly reference the ancient Egyptian obelisk. If completed in 2030, this will be the tallest building in the world, with a height of exactly one kilometer. For housing in the city, the master plan consists of 20 residential centers, with distinct architectural styles. As visible on this satellite image, six of them are already largely completed. And for the entire length of the city, a park six times the size of New York's Central Park will meander. The Green River Park is intended to serve as a recreational area, providing shade and encouraging social activities. Along this park, an artificial river will be created, inspired directly by the Nile which flows through the current capital, Cairo. Despite this direct homage, the new and the old capital of Egypt could hardly be more different. With large distances bridged by highways that connect these planned modern districts, the new capital differs from the historical, densely populated city of Cairo. Planned cities like this are fascinating. All these large sports complexes and innovation and finance hubs represent an aspirational plan for what Egypt wants its future to look like. And this planned city can be an indication of how the country navigates the many cultural influences in its society and which it chooses to emphasize. There are, for example, references to ancient Egypt, such as the Ankh symbol, representing life. Or the design of the national monument and the proposed Oblisco skyscraper. There are also traditional Islamic references, such as the architecture of buildings in the 6th residential district and the grand nude mosques being built. And there are influences such as American-style suburbs, like the one residential zone located in the east of the city, called La Vista. And then there is Residential Zone 5, which very directly tries to mimic French architectural style. This particular district aims to provide luxury for high-income citizens. Perhaps this odd mix of influences has to do with what appears to be the real core objective of this project overall, which is to be an international city. The planners borrowed ideas from all over the world, and an Olympic sports complex international science hubs and expo centers underline this bold ambition. To create a global city that can solve Egypt's problems at home and look abroad for its future. The question will be whether that will work, and how natural growth will shape the city's future once the initial plans are realized. Thank you so much for watching. If you enjoyed it, please make sure to subscribe. There are a so that's one of many.
I mean, I showed you guys uh, Equatorial Guinea that had like so many mansions and such a big disconnect between. I showed you an island that had built up all this uh, stuff that looked like a military base, kind of similar to the octagon. And now people were like, oh my gosh, China's literally, you know, having a base there. I showed you another island off the other end in the Indian Ocean between Africa and India, where India had their own base. See, all of this is happening while we're busy trying to become free. Because while people are like, oh my gosh, the new world order is coming. Dude, it's already here. You're just now waking up to it. And this is where you're saying, uh, no, no finishing touches on this bitch. We're going back to 1776. Thank you very much. I will decline your offer of this. Now, in other news, uh, before we get into the Donald Trump interview, I want you guys to listen to this weird clip that happened to pop up. Rather than as we... Hold on. Okay. I'm going to play this a couple times. This is Ted Rose, right? The director general of the who, Dr. Ted Rose. I want you to listen carefully to what he's saying. I'm going to play it a couple times because it's a short clip. So if it's going to be used, it's better to focus on those groups who have risk of severe disease and death rather than as we see some countries are using to give boosters to kill children, which is not right. So if it's going to be used, it's better to focus on those groups who have risk of severe disease and death rather than, as we see, some countries are using to give boosters to kill children, which is not right. So if it's going to be used, it's better to focus on those groups who have risk of severe disease and death rather than, as we see, some countries are using to give boosters to kill children which is not right. So if it's going to be used, it's better to focus on those groups who have risk of severe disease and death rather than, as we see, some countries are using to give boosters to kill children, which is not right. So that came out of Dr. Tedros's mouth, saying that we should use boosters to those that are vulnerable and we should focus on those people that have morbidities and not give boosters to children because we're seeing nations give boosters to children to kill them. I'm sorry. I hope you heard that correctly. I'm going to play it two more times now that I'm clarifying it because, you know, he does have an Ethiopian accent. He looks pretty white for Ethiopian right now. I, is he like bleaching his skin like Beyonce? So if it's going to be used, it's better to focus on those groups who have risk of severe disease and death rather than, as we see, some countries are using to give boosters to kill children, which is not right. So if it's going to be used, it's better to focus on those groups who have risk of severe disease and death, rather than, as we see, some countries are using to give boosters to kill children, which is not right. Huh. Giving boosters to kill children, which is not right. You know, I, I, every single time I see someone say, oh, we have overpopulation, it's like, shut up, shut up. No, we don't. Most of these countries outside of the United States and a big chunk of America, too, are actually underpopulated. 
Okay. Meaning uh, the size of Egypt, for example, as you saw, is massive. And yet only 104 million people live there. And the rest of it is desert. And it's 2021. Why aren't you building in a desert? Here you saw that in five years, China changed the desert and stopped it from encroaching, right? Because deserts obviously spread like a plague, right? Um, and recreated and terraformed it. So why aren't they terraforming the Sahara? Why are they keeping it arid and dry? Why aren't they piping that shit up? Why aren't they b b moving in some topsoil? Think about it. They can. Why aren't they doing it? Good question, right? Good question. Now, let's get to the interview because this is quite interesting. Let's go. You, you. It has been, it's always been an honor. Thank I've interviewed the past. And today I want to talk about some topics that are on, I think, everybody's mind. Okay. Everybody talks about January 6th. I actually want to talk about January 5th okay. to begin. Allegedly, the story goes that a man dropped off pipe bombs at the DNC and the RNC. Um, our FBI has showed us a couple of stills of those individuals, and there has been nobody telling us anything beyond it. I live in D.C. There's a camera on every corner. Yep. Uh, the Capitol building, the White House, the most secure buildings possibly in the world. We're seeing Tucker Carlson, Joe Rogan start to show that the FBI had some, some involvement um, in January 6th. We're urging supporters to go toward the Capitol building. What is your assessment as you're watching more and more of this information come out? Well, I have been watching and I've been watching it very closely and a lot of people are being treated very unfairly. This should never happen in our country or any country, what happened to them, especially when you look at the way the so-called other side is treated. But this pipe bomber or bomber, who knows if it was a pipe, who knows what it was, uh, they never found him. I've seen pictures of him and very clear pictures. And you know that they do have cameras, not just a camera, they have many cameras on every corner. And I would imagine they probably know who he was. And I guarantee he wasn't one of the people that were at that protest for the right reason. It was a protest. You know, the insurrection was November 3rd, the election day. This was a protest about a rigged election. And the people that were there, there was great love in the air. I'm not talking about the Capitol. I'm talking about the speech. I think it was the largest crowd I've ever spoken before. And I've spoken to very big crowds. And some walked down. I think it was intended to be very peaceful to the Capitol. But why aren't they finding this pipe bomber? And how come other people haven't been revealed? Because I think that we're more than just, uh, let's call them a MAGA people. Well, there were FBI informants. Well, there some, you had, there's some seems, images. Yeah. And they say, go to the Capitol, go to the Capitol. And right. those individuals were not arrested. And right. they're on, on the screen. Right. It seems. It seems like that. And uh, you have uh, BLM and you had uh, Antifa people. I have very little doubt about that. And they were antagonizing and they were agitating. And you don't see any of that. But look at it even from a simpler form. In Portland, what happened to these people? They burned down the city. They've destroyed the city. Nobody can live there anymore. They don't even put up storefronts. They don't even rebuild. You know what they rebuild now? Out of plywood because they're not going to waste because every time they put up a storewood, it gets knocked down. But people are being killed in places. Uh, you look at Seattle. You look at... Uh, in Minnesota, Minneapolis, you take a look at the city. If I didn't send in the National Guard, you wouldn't have a Minneapolis right now. Right. And, and, and that's true. There, there does seem to be this double standard. And especially as I lived in D.C. during this, and I was sort of shocked to see 
first off, our, our city burned for six weeks because yeah, of George yeah. Floyd protests. Nobody ever called that an insurrection. Right. Um, but I, I'm, I'm particularly interested in this Department of Justice piece because we then found out also a few months earlier, we were told that MAGA supporters tried to kill Gretchen Whitmer. And actually, BuzzFeed, le very left-leaning publication, came out and said, no, actually, this was FBI entrapment. FBI plotted this. They looped in MAGA supporters, and they then said MAGA supporters plotted this. So there's a lot of question marks right now, I think, for people involved on both sides of the spectrum. You know, how involved is our Department of Justice in these events that they tell us are acts of domestic terrorism? And in a Trump 2024 scenario, how do you address that as the president of the United States? So I watched that a little bit and I said, that's a strange deal going on with the kidnapping of the governor. And it's got some weird answers coming out. So I assume we're going to find out at least something about what happened. You know, it all started when I said somebody's spying on my campaign. Do you remember that? I put it out very innocently. And I actually said, I think that Obama is spying on my campaign. I turned out to be right. That was right. And then we've caught him. And now let's see what happens with all of these people that got caught, whether it's uh, Durham, and what happened and what came out of there so far. Hopefully that's just very preliminary. But even if you take a look preliminarily, that's a terrible thing that happened. They made up Russia, Russia, Russia. It was all a hoax. Think of it. They're after people to put them in jail, and yet they know they made up a hoax. So they want to put people in jail for a hoax that they made up. But here's the thing, our, our Department of Justice is implicit in all this, right? The FISA warrant, like that is not a warrant that should have ever been granted. So this is why I'm hitting at this because we're recognizing now that the corruption that we're talking about, maybe we thought it was surface yeah. when you got elected. Yeah. Now we're realizing that it runs much deeper. Deep-seated. And much much worse than we ever thought it was. And, and how do we get the Americans to feel that faith has been restored in these institutions under your leadership? Well, when you look at things, how about the fourth man in the Department of Justice, his wife is working for Fusion GPS, writing bad stuff. And you say, what's going on there? There's so many different things. And it is, it's very deep. You know, they say deep state. I don't want to call it any specific name because when you say deep state, they say you're a, a conspiracy, conspiracy theorist. Yeah. Conspiracy theorist. And I say, uh, well, that's a little bit too bad. No, you have many, many things. And this is years and years of people being embedded through different presidents, Clinton, Bush. Look, you say some of these uh, people from the Bush administration are almost worse than Democrats. I don't know if you know that, but I think you do. I do. Uh, some of them, and you least suspect it. So in a way, you don't have your guard up quite as much, but we have some, we have some real bad people. We also have some very good people in all fairness. We have some great people that hate what's going on, and they do things about what's going on. But I will say this, we were cleaning things up and we, we were cleaning them up at a rapid, rapid pace. And then an election took place where we were leading at 10 o'clock in the evening. I thought it was over. Everyone thought it was over. I got a call from Carl Rove. I'm not a big fan of his. He said, congratulations, sir. About 930 in the evening. Congratulations, sir. You've just won. I said, thank you very much, Carl. That's very nice. And then they closed various uh, counting facilities, to put it nicely, right, where they say, you know, you ever hear the expression, sometimes the counter is more important than the candidate, right? And sometimes a lot more important than the candidate. But they closed, and then all of a sudden, 
you see numbers coming in. They said, that's a strange thing. So oh, listen, I, I, I was there that night, and I remember feeling exactly that night. way. Went to sleep, said, this oh, election's over, woke was up, over. and yeah. some some magic happened, I guess, some wizardry happened in the middle of the night, and right. I agree with you on that, and which is why I want to talk about this entire ecosystem of corruption. By the way, excuse me, you look at Pennsylvania that night, it was like so, the lead was yeah. impossible. You couldn't Wouldn't call lead. Florida. And all of a sudden, they wouldn't call Florida, and I had a big lead. They wouldn't call Florida. They wouldn't call a lot of different states. And then they called Arizona early. And now you see what's been found in Arizona. The, the corruption was unbelievable. You look at the findings of the report and other things will come out. Uh, it was a really, you know, all of my life I said, oh, this is the home of the free. This is great elections, free and fair elections. So we learned a couple of things over the last number of years. Number one, the press is among the most dishonest group of people ever anywhere, no matter what, they're corrupt. Mm -hmm. And number two, we have corrupt elections and we've got to straighten out the elections. And you're only going to straighten out the press if you allow people to sue with a meaningful law. So if they write libelous and terrible things, they don't want that to happen. They don't want that because they want to do it the way they're doing New it. New York Times versus Sullivan should be reversed. It should be reversed. Absolutely. And I, I think Justice Thomas is saying, like, I think it should be reversed or he made a statement to that effect. But if they write something totally malicious, libelous, whatever you want to call it, your lawyers will tell you, don't bother suing because you can't sue. You're a if you want to straighten out the press, give us the right to sue. Give people the right to sue the press where it's meaningful, where they have to pay a big penalty when they get caught because they're caught all the time. You have to be able to do something about it. I agree. It. I agree. And I want to ask you in terms of talking about this corruption, by the way, a name that comes to mind in the news recently is Julian, Julian Assange. You know, he was exposing this corruption early on. He's had his life ruined because of it. It's, it's a really sad story. Edward Snowden. I mean, think about that bravery for me. I was quite young when that was going on. <laughs> but I mean, the idea of saying, hey, whistleblowing, actually, we've got some corruption going on. They're not being honest with the American people. You could have had a chance to pardon these individuals. What was why? Yeah. Why, why decide not so, to in that moment? You have two sides of it. In yeah. one case, you have like sort of a spy deal going on. And in another case, you have somebody that's exposing real corruption. Right. Uh, I feel a little bit I won't say which one, but I feel a little bit more strong. Did you guys hear that? See, because a lot of people gave me a lot of shit when I talked about Edward Snowden, right? Ha. Did you guys hear that? Did you hear that? One of it was a bit of a spy game. The other one was someone exposing corruption. Okay. Pointing it out. Just pointing it out. Pointing it out. Super point out. Because he knows what's up. Only about one than the other. Right. Uh, but, and you probably understand that. Mm -hmm. But uh, I could have done it, but... I will say you have people on both sides of that issue, good people on both sides, and you have some bad people on one side. Uh, but I decided to let that one ride, let the courts work it out. Mm -hmm. And I guess the courts are actually doing that. Yeah, these are big decisions. Yeah. In a certain way, you know, you have a country and there was some spying things and there were some bad things released that really set us back and really hurt us with what they did. You understand that. Mm -hmm. But at the same time... <laughs> In many cases, what they did, these are the same people that came after me so viciously and dishonestly. Yeah. So, you know, that's you why that's why I view. thought, hey, so I said, come if on, I'm in courts, your, if I'm let's in your get circumstance, I'm no, going, no. you know what? Yeah, well, you can. You can <laughs> I could have gone. I yeah. was very close to going the other way. Yeah, I think you were too nice. I might have been too nice. Might have been a little too nice. I've been, I've been known for being very nice. Yeah. And loyal. And, and loyal to people that have not always been loyal to you. Very loyal. Most have. You know, we don't read about them. We, we had a great administration, but I put some people in that didn't do the job. They just didn't do it. And uh, I guess it may be on purpose they didn't do it. You know, it's one of those things. You put people in. Now I know everybody in Washington. I know the good. I know the bad. I know, I know the ugly. 
uh, but I had some people that I wouldn't have put in in retrospect, but I had mostly great people. We had great people. We did a lot. We rebuilt the military, largest tax cuts in history, largest uh, uh, regulation cuts in history, regulatory cuts. We did a lot of things. And you but did it with, under fire I did it. At you all know, times. It's, it's funny, and I've been using this expression a little bit lately. I said I had two jobs, to run the country and to survive, because I was under fire. No prep. From the day I came down the escalator with our first lady, I came down that escalator and I was under investigation from the day I came. Never in my life was I had every single aspect, everything I ever did for years. A friend of mine said, you have to be the most honest person in the world to have survived that. If they catch a comma, if they catch a misspelling word, they'll they'll give you things. And they don't do it with the other side. They do that with Republicans. But me was the the ultimate example. So number one, I wanted to run the country properly, and we did. You didn't see Taiwan. You didn't see Ukraine. You didn't see all of these problems that are happening that is so embarrassing. The pullout of Afghanistan was the worst event. By the way, I was all for getting out. I was, I, I'm the one that brought it down to 2,500 soldiers, actually 2,000 soldiers, and they would never have even touched us. But I think the frustration on the Republican side, and, and this is why I said I want to talk a lot about Republican frustrations, is that we see the corruption, right? Yeah. It doesn't seem like anybody ever pays for the corruption. Yeah. And right now we're seeing corruption live, even in terms of big pharma, which is a huge topic on the minds of, of mothers, especially. You're seeing what's happening at these school board meetings. Where do you stand on these vaccine mandates? And obviously I know that you are you are pro-vaccine, obviously you did everything you could to get this vaccine out. I know it was where you one of the, the greatest achievements. We did it in less than nine months. And to be able to do that yeah, but where but now it's taken a twist right it's it's gotten now we went from this is a good thing and people should have this option mm -hmm. to military men you're going to have to resign yeah. because you're, you're not getting this vaccine where do you stand yeah. on that well i stand on forget about the mandates that people have to have their freedom but yeah. at the same time the vaccine is one of the greatest achievements of mankind we would have had a 1917 remember the spanish flu killed perhaps 100 million people. Actually, it ended the First World War because the soldiers were so, a lot of people don't know that. The soldiers got so sick, it was a terrible thing. There were no vaccines, there was no anything. I came up with a vaccine, with three vaccines. Mm -hmm. All are very, very good. Came up with three of them in less than nine months. It was supposed to take five to 12 years. And, and yet we more saved, people have died under COVID this year, by the way, yeah, under Joe Biden. Right than under you and more people took the vaccine this year so people are questioning how well, no, the vaccine worked but yeah. some people aren't taking the ones the ones that get very sick and go to the hospital are the ones that don't take their vaccine but it's still their choice and if you take the vaccine you're protected look the results of the vaccine are very good and if you do get it it's a very minor form people aren't dying when they take the vaccine what about they, the masking of children that's that's a big one I, I for think moms it's a right terrible now. thing i think it's a terrible thing that flies in the face of science the kids have a virtual zero all right let me let me help you out here so i'm going to say this again because people need to understand it what's going on here this interview right this interview is to indicate and i hope you guys are seeing what this interview really is but the vaccine he needs to stay on that note. He needs to focus on that note. I mean, I've had this discussion with very important people. And um, I came out and pretty much said, you know, I get it. 
I understand it. The people don't understand it. You can't come forward with that, but you need to address the mandates. You need to address the masks because every single time they interview you and you will say this, it is their way of indicating a weakness to what's really happening. Put it this way. Let's pretend I was president. Let's pretend I was president. And I knew that they were going to lock people up in their homes for a decade, claiming that they need to get a vaccine. In that time, because they're locked in their homes and not allowed to come in contact with people, they would have to work. But employers would have a problem with working because they can't see if you're really working. So they would have to put a chip in you that would biometrically, uh, you know, locate you and it would only be on while you're working uh, to make sure that you're in your place. Uh, they would need it for safety reasons to know that you are not leaving your home without permission and um, terrifying things that let's pretend I was president and told you all this. I'm one person. I'm telling you all this. And every single media outlet, both left and right, around the world, is saying something different. Now, I would show you patents. I would tell you all about this. You want to take a wild guess to what would happen to me? Wild guess. I would be 25th Amendment. They would say that I'm crazy. And they would throw me in some fucking mental institution forcibly because I have caused harm to try to kill people. Because I'm telling them that it's a global conspiracy and that no one is dying. See, that's what would have happened to me. And I would be taken out. My family would be taken out. And they would have all died from this disease. And 90% of you listening right now would have believed that we died from the disease. And me and my family, who told you the truth died from the disease and there's no going back from that is exactly what would have happened instead i'm like wait i'm not gonna make them wait 10 years i'm gonna fucking get this shit out now i'm gonna get vaccines out now i will stick by johnson and johnson i will stand by that it's a one jab it's not mrna let's move let's move let's move i'm gonna give you guys a shit ton of money you need to figure it out in the meantime i'm gonna have the military work on shit and I'm going to pray that the people that are working on shit in the military are doing it at warp speed the correct way. I am praying for this. And those that have compromised immune systems can actually take it. So I'm going to pray on this. Please, God, let this happen because I do not want people enslaved that way. And I would have done that. I would have put in a shit ton of money. I would have... Um, offered uh, alternate therapies like hydroxychloroquine. Obviously, they'd laugh at me, so I'd have to shut up. Uh, I'd offer antibody therapy, and they would laugh at me and shut up. And I would have the Johnson & Johnson, but obviously, they would destroy that too. And I would have to shut up and say, I've done it. I gave it to you. It's safe. You know, I'm continuing on that path because if I say something different, I will never be in office again. Yet, for some reason, because you're in an echo chamber and you and half a million Americans understand that the vaccine is not working, that there are people dying, right? Those of you that have a choice, because this is the United States of America, decides so, 
you're only half a million. There's 365 million people in the United States. And as you can see, a lot of them are wearing masks and are obedient. They're not awake. So you are the minority. So you just sit, stand firm on your rights. And I pray that you stand firm on your rights and you choose. I will continue to say what I need to say so that when my time comes and I am visibly back in office, officially back in office, that I can remedy the wrongs. So for any one of you that just don't get it, (laughs) you're just as bad as those woke ones. Because while you may say he should stand true, huh? Seven billion people in the world, you're half a million. Half a million. Right? Okay, maybe a million. All right, let's add the rest of the people around the world. Let's make it one billion. You're still one seventh of the people that get it. So again, you have to understand that that's the way I would execute it too. I would do the same thing and pray, pray that people would take their own choice in their own hands. And I would say exactly what I need to say so no one puts me in a corner. So this um, persuasion, oh, you're not going to go against it? Oh, but I'm telling you all this, you're not going to go against it? You know, obviously when people have their eye on the prize in the future and all those that they work with, they're going to do that. So that's that. And obviously other people are coming forward with the same notion now, even though I told you that a long time ago. Oh, but people are dying from it. Well, they had a fucking choice. Okay. And that's the way it is. And those of you that can't, oh, I can't get behind this. I just, it's just, uh, it's like, all right. So he's just going to tell you the truth and die in the darkness and not be able to be back in office and all of that stuff because you can't handle that. Well, then you really don't understand what's at stake here. You really don't. That's the way it is. You really don't. Because if you knew, you totally get it. Percent chance of dying of COVID, and yet they're insisting on these vaccine mandates. I mean, I'm sorry, on these um, masking mandates, and now even the vaccine mandates for small children. And what's going on there? I think what's happening is you look at the masks where. Fauci and a lot of other people said masks don't mean anything. All of a sudden, he becomes a radical masker. I don't like to see the kids with the masks on. They're sitting in school. They have a hard enough time sitting in school. It's like China. I've been to China. uh, Well, and yet China's education system is a hell of a lot better than ours. You know what? They're rated number two or three, and we're rated number 44. But masking children, I mean, the way it looks, right? It doesn't look like a free country. Um, uh, I'm against it. Yeah, I'm glad to hear that. I'm really glad to hear that. Um, And I think that your supporters will be really glad to hear that because no one really kind of got a clear understanding of, hey, vaccine's great, but, you know, people should have a right to I'm so proud of what we did with the vaccine, but it shouldn't be mandated and it just shouldn't be. And, you know, the other thing is a lot of people that get it. You had it. You had it. Did you get COVID? Uh, No. You didn't get it? Doesn't like me. I don't. Did you have the vaccine? No. Doesn't no, like and I've been all I'm around the world. I don't know. I don't. I think they should doesn't study like me. You. They should study me. They're afraid doesn't of Doesn't like you. me. Yeah. It's, it's a scary thing, but yeah. it's it's afraid of you. My husband had it though. Yeah, but now your husband is now essentially immune. He's yeah. got a protection. They won't even talk. They about won't it. give. No, they won't give credit to people that had it that aren't going to catch it a second time. You know, it's a very strong form of immunity. So. 
we're going to rewind because I didn't see anyone hear it. So we're going to rewind just a little bit. Oh, that means they are scared of you because I haven't gotten COVID either. They are scared of you. Let's just listen to it again. Oh, I don't I think they should study like me. You. They should study me. They're afraid doesn't of like you. me. It's, yeah. it's a scary thing, but yeah. it's, it's afraid of you. My husband had it, though. Yeah. But now your husband is now essentially immune. He's yeah. got a protection. They won't even talk they about won't it. Give, no, they won't give credit to people that had it that aren't going to catch it a second time. You know, it's a very strong form of immunity. So uh, it's it, they're crazy. Well, here's a go. Here, talk about corruption. I mean, you're a businessman. Imagine I make a product. And then you mandate that every single person has to buy my yeah. product. And this is why people are wondering, you know, is there a little bit of corruption going on here? At the well, top? this is worse because it's going into your system. Right. You know, so this isn't just a product. This is a product that's going into your system. And some people don't agree with it. And some people have religious problems and mm -hmm. they have a lot of other things. You've always respected Look, the religious. I, I totally do. And I totally respect somebody saying we don't want to take it. And we have a massive, you know, we will soon have a massive amount of immunity including the people that got it. Mm -hmm. But the mandates are killing our economy. You know, if you look about what's going on with our economy and jobs, where the jobs are so few right now, I mean, the numbers are terrible because a lot of people can't go to work. They don't want to go to work. They can't. They can't because people won't take them because of the mandate. No, the mandate's bad for a lot about of the military. Reasons. I mean, can you imagine where these are? These are great individuals and people that we want leaving. defending us. Yeah. And they're leaving. We should they're never. Leaving. I feel like our country is being left defenseless. Yeah, it's, a, that, it's a scary, scary, it's a very scary bad thing. thing. Now it's changing. I'll tell you, I, I've never seen anything like it. The last week or so, they're saying, all right, we're going to take the mandates off. You know, it's very interesting because they're losing all of these incredible people. They're, they're just not willing to do the work. And get, now. You have to understand, I'm a big fan of the vaccine. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to give that up. That's a great achievement. That's a millions and millions of lives I saved. OK, you know, it's very interesting where Biden said anybody that lost that many lives should resign. Well, now he's lost more lives. So it's very his statement was sort of an incredible statement. Speaking of Joe Biden, who I think has been a gift to you in many ways, um, I thought, you know what, I, it was hard for me and I'm injecting myself here, but to see a, a good side. And now I actually think that a lot of people are now awake to a lot of the things that you ran on. That seems crazy to them in the well, beginning. They're seeing that our policies were very good. That's for sure. And this is the toughest question I could possibly ask you. Tell me one good thing Joe Biden has done in office. Well, the one good thing is that he showed how bad it is with this kind of a philosophy because we won the election but if it was more standard where we actually took office uh people would have been criticizing why didn't you do this now when they look at the border when they look at afghanistan when they look at all the horror shows of what's taken place when they look at inflation inflation's eating us alive and they refuse to admit it the only thing they have going is they have an unbelievable press the press no matter what they do the press you notice doesn't talk about afghanistan I haven't heard any. We gave eighty five billion dollars, lost soldiers, tremendously a large number of very badly wounded soldiers and all of the other things. Afghanistan, the most embarrassing single day, in my opinion, or week in our country's history. I don't think we've ever had an embarrassment. The press won't talk about it. They won't talk about it. they won't talk about the election either. The reason they won't talk about it is because they know they lost and they don't want to bring it forward. A lot of cancel culture is because of the election. They don't want people talking about the election of 2020 because they lost the election. They know they lost the election. This unselect committee on January 6th, you have an unselect committee of of partisan hacks like Adam Schiff, Russia, Russia, Russia. Then it's a scam and he just goes on to the next one. 
found out to be a beard. One thing I'll say, John Durham did a good job in that, but I hope he goes a lot further. But he has the unselect committee. Think of it. All of this work, it turns out to be a scam. Our country doesn't talk about greatness anymore. All they want to do is catch people doing this, catch people doing that. It's a disgrace what's going on in the United States. They talk about the environment. They talk about nothing else. You know, China is opening up a coal plant. I'm not saying good or bad. A coal plant every week. And we're not allowed to do anything. We have to go by the wind. And the wind isn't powerful enough. And it doesn't, it's, you know, it's intermittent and many other problems. I think most people understand that they're trying to destroy the country. It's almost like they're trying to destroy it. Yeah, clearly. We're fighting people that actually want to see the destruction of America. Well, it's hard to believe, but who would think that, right? I I mean, it's it's very clear. It's in our faces. (laughs) They're not hiding anymore. What they're putting in the school systems, getting rid of these great men in the military, men and women in the military. Um, Hindsight is 2020. excuse me. You say that, and I used to hear it. I said, "No, who way. would do that? Who would do that? It's so obvious. Who wants to have open borders where jails and prisons of other countries are being busloaded into buses and trains and being sent into our country? Releasing criminals into the streets. They're releasing prisoners. Bail, They're releasing murderers, yeah. rapists, drug dealers into no our question. country. And you say, who would do that? And they know it's happening and they just let it happen. We built almost 500 miles of wall. Would have taken three, four weeks to finish complete. Look, it's doing the job anyway because it's tiny sections. But you know what? Who would believe they don't want to finish the wall? Who would believe that? But prison is being released into our country. And you talk about masks. You talk about mandates. You talk about all this stuff. You come through the southern border, you have no problem. And tremendous disease is coming through long beyond COVID coming through our southern border and they don't want to do anything about it. And how often do you see the mainstream or the lamestream media talk about it? You never see it. Well, they don't talk watching, about the border. They don't talk anymore, about it. So I wouldn't even call well, it. Well, a lot of them aren't watching. Yeah, yeah, nobody's watching it. I wouldn't even call it mainstream. I mean, the true. views are really low right how about now. about lamestream? Yeah, we, we, <laughs> we, we could send a tweet or a parlor right now and, and we, we could get more views in five yeah. seconds. So yeah. I don't even call it mainstream. But I do want to ask you, hindsight is twenty twenty. Anything that looking back, you think, you know what? I got that one wrong, or I wish I had this knowledge and I could have done something different. You know, it's, yeah. I mean, it's, it's easy, obviously. It's always, hard. by the way, always in any business, Hindsight. no matter what you do, no matter what your success, you always would do certain things a little bit differently yeah. or differently. Uh, the biggest, look, we had tremendous success. The border was the strongest it's ever been. The economy was the best in history. And I did it twice. I had to do it after I had to rebuild it after our, our friends from China either sent us or it came in from China. And they should pay reparations, by the way. They should pay. Even they can't afford to pay the world because it's probably $60 trillion the damage they've caused. But they should pay reparations. They should not be allowed to get away with this. And people don't talk about that anymore either. But I would say the big thing would be certain people I would have used differently. I would have put different people in uh, certain positions. Uh, if I had a choice, uh, I don't have to go specifically, but I could give you names at a later date. But uh, there'd be people, I, I had great people too, you know, rebuilding the military, all the things I did. We have great generals, but not the television generals. Uh, there were certain people that I would not have put in, I would have put somebody else in. But at the time, I had spent 17 days of my life in Washington, D.C., but now I know it better than anybody. And I know the good, I know, I know we have some great people And I would say probably more than anything else, uh, I would have made 
certain people, put certain people into positions that I didn't give them. I gave them some, I I took somebody, put them in a position and I didn't like the job they did. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I think definitely. And, and perhaps some snakes around you as well. We had some snakes. Yeah. And look, you always do no matter what business, whether it's politics or anything else, you always do. Uh, I had some very loyal people. I had some very disloyal people, very bad people. But, uh, and I think this is true with companies. If you're running a big company, sometimes you make a decision to put somebody there and it always happens. It's rare that you go through, you know, a long period of time and everybody's just perfect. But I know people that would have done great jobs in certain positions. And I didn't like the jobs that certain people did. And usually I fired them. And every time when you fire somebody, it's a big deal. But usually I fired them. Overall, we had great people. Yeah. I know that we don't have much time left, so I'm going to toss you a fun one. Um, Alec Baldwin, is he going to get arrested? I don't know. Look, he's been trouble from day one. He did did the imitation of me for years. I thought he was terrible. Imitate him. Well, no, I thought it was just, yeah, that wouldn't be hard. Uh, I thought he did terrible. I thought he was terrible at it. Uh, They have other people that do much better, but he's always trouble. I mean... He takes a gun. He said he didn't pull the trigger. And then the experts get on and say it's not possible that that particular gun can. It doesn't work that way. In other words, it can't happen that it works where you don't pull the trigger and it just happens to go off. Okay, I don't think that was a very good interview for him. I just say this. He's always trouble. He goes out to talk to the press. Nobody gets treated worse than me by the press. And I'm very hostile to them. Likewise. But I don't end up in fistfights with him on the street. <laughs> I mean, there's something wrong. I think he's crazy. There's something crazy. And he pointed the gun. He still pointed the gun at this woman. And it happened to go off. And she wasn't even an actor. So it's not like at a scene where it went on during a scene. It just, he just pointed a gun at her and it went off. Did he do it on purpose? I don't know. I mean, you tell me. He's not, not stable. He definitely is not he's stable. He's definitely not a stable person. Mm-hmm. He's a nut job, actually. So one thing is, I love this, the the curse of mocking Trump. See, I've said this before, and I think I'm going to play that um, broken anthem clip that he, um, that I shared, because I've said this before, when you attack anyone, anyone that is doing good, and you are doing it for the purpose of destroying the good that they're doing, they will become bigger. They will have everything they need and they will never, ever go away. And in turn, as you go higher and higher, your fall will be harder and harder because, you know, it's like a raging fire. Truth and good is like a raging fire. It consumes all the shit you throw at it. The more shit you throw at it, the bigger it becomes. And that's fact. Because in times of turmoil and changes of times, scripture, it says, in all scriptures, it says that God amplifies. He will give you more good. He will give you more food. He will give you more wisdom. He will give you more of everything you project because he wants you to shine. No, therefore, if you're a lot of evil, you're going to show your face. The veils are off. Now, let's finish this up. 
<laughs> I actually totally agree with that assessment. Um, I can't thank you enough for sitting down with me. And I want to say to people back home, each time that I've interviewed President Trump, they have never told me that I am not allowed to ask him anything. He is completely unscripted. It's one of the things that fascinates me about him. They never say, don't go here, don't go there. What you see is exactly what you get. Not exactly like Joe Biden checking, uh, I'll call on, call on this well, guy. It's, it's just just to interrupt your ending. From the Washington That's right. Post. That's right. <laughs> Uh, you, uh, let's see, I'm, Lisa. and then no, here's the worst part though. They ask him the question, then he reads the answer from a teleprompter. I said, where did this stuff come from? Thank you, Lisa. <laughs> I think that it's Passam. I mean, it's, it's crazy. Nice. It's a strange deal. It's a strange deal. And people, people needed to see it. And so I, I honestly say in a weird way, I thank God for president Joe Biden because the rest of America was asleep. And I think they're awake and I'm inspired to see the mothers getting involved, yeah, showing up. And yeah. I think this is going to be a very different. We have tremendous support way. now. I have more support now than I did before the election. And we had a lot of support, mm -hmm. but it's so bad. Our country has never been so embarrassed or disgraced. We've never had a country like this. And when he does in particular, Afghanistan to a large extent, the borders, but when he does that horrible withdrawal again, we want to withdraw, but with dignity and strength. When Putin and Xi, President Xi of China and Kim Jong-un of North Korea, when they're watching, and Iran, when they're watching what happened during that short period of time, they lost respect for our country. They're all at the top of their game. And we have a leader that doesn't have a clue. Mm. It's a very bad time for our country. And we've lost the moral high ground. We with certainly have. I we certainly have. You're right. Putin sat down and he basically, they were trying to say, you're a bad guy. And he said, you've locked up people that are rotting in That's prison right. because of January 6th. That's and I right. said, this is bad. That's right. We've lost the moral high ground because of what this Department of Justice is it's, doing. And you haven't heard the beginning. They, they are now, every time we say anything, that they, and they go big league. Mm -hmm. They go big league on what they do. And they just look at us and what about this, 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 and that. I've never seen it before. And all you can do is sit there and say, well, I guess that's right. Let's get on to the next subject. You're right. What, what can we say? Pretty tough stuff. Thank you very much. All right, guys, that was amazing. Um, it really was such a wonderful opportunity for me to sit down and have this dialogue with President. It's quite fascinating listening to him because if you listen to his words, he tells you everything you need to know. Everything you need to know. Every little tidbit. So when the elections occurred, <clears throat> and in the summer before the elections, when I told you what's going to happen needs to be happen because it had to be this way. I think you're starting to understand that more rather than just getting angered about why and this and you know every single person i just can't this it was gonna be a lot worse they want blood of martyrs and children to litter the street <laughs> but instead they got a deal and that's the thing the deals are the problem the deals are the problem for me but we'll get those names at a later date. I think I said that too. You'll have that list at another time when the time is right. And it's important that you make your own list because you can see who, what, when, and where. 
And you can see where he's reserved. But then why this? And why is he interviewing with all this, these people, that person? Why not? He reaches an audience that's completely different. And every time they set him up to say one thing so he can disqualify himself, so he can lose, he pulls his arms back and he sits there and doesn't want to respond. He will sit there and push back and push back so you can't push anymore. He knows exactly where he's going with this. And he knows exactly how this is going to turn out. And deep down inside, I know all of you can feel that too. Because it's all coming down. It's all happening. If any man have an ear, let him hear. He that leadeth into captivity shall go into captivity. He that killeth with the sword must be killed with the sword. Here is the patience and the faith of the saints. So it's very, very important to understand that. You must have patience. You must have faith. And you must just simply pray. So um, let me get that video up because it's it's pretty awesome. Let me, let me find it because it it was like, it was so well, well, it was nicely put, very dramatic, but it said exactly what President Trump knows to be correct. And that is the more shit you throw at someone when they're doing the right thing, the bigger they become. But you just have to toe the line correctly. That's the only problem. You have to toe it correctly or else you can fail super fast too. Um, it's quite terrifying to know just how much power they have to flip things on you. Now, let me play this clip before I give you news on SCOTUS because um, I should tell you about that. Uh, give me a second. Let's get this video up. If you're surrounded by bad people, by people that want to profit for themselves, by people that really believe that people should bend the knee, they think you're stupid. They think they're more superior to you. The only way that you can regain power is by acknowledging the power that you gave them. And not only that, you have to flip it on its head where you make them powerless. How, how do you make Twitter, Facebook, Google, the news powerless? How do you make them powerless? That's all you need to remember is what they were telling you and what was really happening. What's about to come is not going to be nice at all. This is now the end of it. This is where it gets hot. While I'm actually quite irritated and quite attacked in my personal sphere, they are trying to strangulate me thinking, well, we'll find a way. I know that God will find a way that I will never have a day without food in my tummy, my rent paid, and I paid two rents, by the way, right? And go where I need to go. He won't. No matter how many platforms you ban me off of, I will probably have like a like direct shoot where cash is just falling on my lap because he says so. So the more you attack me, the more it'll come to me. We cannot go against what God wills. He 
can destroy anything he creates, and he can create something out of nothing. The future proves the past. The future proves the past. And whose past can you see is undeniably proved. And that's the truth. These are the things that they can see and they know. And the more you attack me, the bigger I become. Because today, I'm going to introduce you to the real that they're scared of. It's not about the president coming back. I told you he had six years left. One year is almost complete. Got another five. It's not that. It's what I'm going to introduce you to. 2022 is important. This is the end of the shadow presidency. This is the end of the shadow presidency. It is very important because as we said many, many times before, there is no time to wait for 2024. Are you kidding? Things are about to go down. Things are about to go down. Nothing can stop what is coming. What is coming? 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 Nothing can stop what's coming. And now you can see it yourself. And this is, you know, one thing that I've said before, and it's not, um, it's not to boast. I'm trying to show you that when you make choices that are good, when you make choices that are selfless, you know, when we hear about, oh, you know, in the stories of the Bible, the guy left all his earthly possessions. They were probably taken from him. And he wandered around for 40 days or went wherever for 40 days. It's always 40, isn't it? So weird. Uh, you know, suddenly he's he's got people that he's preaching to he's got you know a mission and 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 for some reason he's able to do it he's able to eat he's able to walk around he's not sick right and everything is being done see that that's the point when you make a difficult decision and you're just like i'm there and i'm just going to keep pounding you know how many people i had a conversation with a lot of friends. I have a friend right now that's very close to me, very close to me. And um, that friend of mine, while I was going through turmoil, myself was going through turmoil his in his personal life. Um, man of faith goes to like these Christian camps and everything. You know, he tells me that um, he, uh, you know, went through this, he's going through COVID. And uh, you know, I was like, you know, I actually thought I might have had the vid, right? But I don't have the vid. I've never tested positive. I've tested myself. I never use the utensils. I will scrape the shit out of my nose with a regular Q-tip that I bring from home and then put globs of whatever the fuck they want on the swab. I've never tested positive. I've never had the not smelling part, right? Never. 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 
I was talking about that with Millie too. I was like, you know, we were around a ton of people. We should have had COVID a million times. I actually shared a drink with someone that tested the next day and was positive. And I didn't have the no smelling. I didn't have any of that. And, uh, you know, uh, I get this. Uh, my friend who's strong in faith is like, damn, it's three weeks. I, 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 I use bleach and I can't smell it. And today I actually went to my mail room to get my mail. And, you know, it was like mask. I was like, do I need to wear a mask? He's like, you know, I was like, wow, it smells amazing in here. They were using some cleanser or something. He was like, oh, I can't smell it. And I'm like, damn, the dude's got COVID. And, you know, and obviously he's at work, <laughs> but, you know, obviously maybe he's vaccinated. So that's okay. Right. But, you know, every time someone says, aren't you worried? I'm like, no, God's not going to get me sick. It's not my time yet. It's not my time yet. Uh, you know, I'm not going to get sick and I'm not going anywhere. I could get hurt. There could be attempts. You know, there could be, uh, you know, when you're low on your faith, which I was, believe it or not, I was at the end of October, I was struggling with things because just it was mishap after mishap and, uh, you know, all of this stuff that I had to do. And I'm one person. I don't think people understand that I am one person, right? One person, one. And I'm trying to juggle a million things. I mean, all of you that have a family, right? Those of you that have children and a family, you know that you can spend a whole day just to call the water company, pay your bills, you know, file shit for taxes. Guys, I have to run like eight different servers. I got to plow through data. I've, I've got, uh, my kids were moving. Uh, I had their house to tend to. I, I have a child that is, is, is struggling, right? Just in general in this type of era, right? And I'm, I'm doing daily shows. I'm trying to maintain things. I'm working on a documentary, which I've got the whole story out. And it's like, everything was, was, it was going like this, like this, like this. And suddenly I get hit with something that has hurt me really bad physically. I don't think I've enjoyed a meal since then. Seriously. Um, I, I I haven't enjoyed a meal and I've actually noticed this full transparency right here, which I'm not going to argue. Like I say, you know, I've got enough junk in the trunk, but I have like zero appetite um, to eat for like the past two weeks. I find no pleasure in eating. I'm eating just to say that I eat. I can't even take caffeine as much as I used to. Um, uh, you know, I, I, I feel different. <clears throat> obviously I'm better now, uh, a little bit better uh, from what happened to me in October and then getting this cold. I mean, it didn't help, but I, you know, it's like, I can't even eat like chocolate. I, I got some chocolate in the mail, by the way. I, I, okay. I just wanted to say whoever's been sending me stuff. I am so excited because I'm not opening them till Christmas. So I'm going to be like, <clears throat> you know, opening every package for Christmas. I've just stuffed them under the tree and it's going to have, I have like a million boxes. I can't wait, except for the ones that I can see are chocolate. Those I tackle. I'm just saying. So, um, you know, I, I, it's, it's, it's like this appetite thing. Like, you know, I went out for breakfast today with my kids. Um, I wanted to show them my hangout, which is like this breakfast place, right? Just a diner thing, uh, cheap, fast, good food. And I couldn't even finish my, my omelet. Um, so, you know, since I was poisoned in October, um, you know, obviously 
I've just been a little bit off, uh, more foggy than anything. Um, which is, which is weird. And then, you know, I got the aspiration, which gave me bronchitis, you know, and then after that, I got a cold, uh, a couple weeks ago. Um, and that was crazy too. So it's been, it's been a, a ride, but President Trump said something very specific. See, almost uh, even Phoebe had loss of smell for a week um, in December when we got back from D.C. She had uh, contracted COVID, I guess, because she couldn't taste or smell or anything. And while I was in D.C., I had um, a neighbor, retired FBI old lady who looks like a sweet granny and she packs a nine, like dead serious, right? She's like super neighbor. And um, she had gotten sick. Um, but she wasn't that bad. It's just that she couldn't taste and she couldn't smell. And a lot of people are telling me that, which is highly concerning, um, you know, on, on, on how it operates. For me, my olfactory is my superpower. And, uh, when I got this cold and I, I still probably have remnants of it, I guess, because I feel like I have a stuffy nose, but I can smell and taste. It just feels like, um, like an allergy, you know how, um, uh, you get allergies and maybe your nose will run or it'll feel stuffy, but it's not stuffy. That's how it feels like an allergic reaction, uh, which is really bizarre. So it seems that, you know, some people are losing taste and smell. Other people aren't right. Um, it seems to be highly specific to, to specific genetic codes um, and how severe it is. I mean, I've been compiling that data on top of everything else that I'm doing. Um, I've been seeing that certain blood types get certain symptoms, like the headaches are usually with um, A negatives and um, AB negatives. Uh, they just get headaches. Um, the majority of all blood types minus O, um, o negatives actually get complete loss of smell. I haven't come across someone that's an O negative uh, that hasn't, that has lost their sense of smell. O positives have. Um, uh, B negatives and B positives get really sick. So B blood types. So I'm, I'm, I'm um, looking at uh, I'm looking at data that I find I, online. I do this. Like I seriously, usually it's done while my car's driving. <clears throat> I have like the spreadsheet and I kind of find where people are on boards and they're like, this is my blood type. And, you know, I can't smell. Um, this is, you know, from around the world. I, I mean, for, <laughs> it's just bizarre. So the O positives are the ones that are a little bit up in the air because at first I thought it was all the O blood types, but now I'm finding that, um, Maybe it's the boosters. Maybe it's the spike proteins. I don't know. But like I had tracked that the periods were a problem. Uh, cycle changes were a problem in female once the vaccines came out. Um, o positives. Um, the majority of them have loss of smell now when it was just all O's didn't get it. O negatives. I still haven't found an O negative that, um, that, um, has, uh, lost their sense of smell. Um, uh, B positive, B negatives, they get really sick. So, uh, I guess maybe, uh, the, the way, uh, it, it, uh, 
you know, it has to be using those antigens on your blood type, obviously, somehow. So I'm, I'm doing all that research too. Meanwhile, I'm also plowing through the data of Pennsylvania <laughs> because I kind of came up with a little script that I'm running on, um, on some of these files. Um, <clears throat> that I deployed on the Michigan one that gave me some really good results. So I'm trying to figure out uh, on the election thing how this algorithm maneuvered itself and worked. Obviously, we know that they manufactured the evidence for after the fact. We have evidence of that from before the elections, right? From before the elections. Oh, and speaking of that, something no one has ever talked about are these data companies. So um, there were some emails that were released in regards to the elections. And I don't remember where I saw it. And I've been racking my mind where they're talking about elections and they were releasing, I think it was like Pennsylvania or Georgia, but there was this company called Catalyst, C-A-T-A-L-I-S-T. It's a, it's a democracy, whatever thing where they analyze votes and they were directly communicating with officials either in Pennsylvania or Georgia requesting information on voter data. And they were trying to put shit together, which seemed a little bit weird um, for me uh, because it's a one-sided group. And that group actually in September had hired people. Um, well, not hired people. They had like a sub company that um, uh, was hired by the Secretary of State in Pennsylvania, in New York, um, and in other northeastern states to deal with a database they had of voter registration data. And it went back to the DMV. So I'm working on that too. Just, just telling you guys all the things that I'm working on. <laughs> just, uh, I'm just saying. So, um, <clears throat> uh, it's, it's, it's quite a fascinating, uh, time to be alive. Um, Christmas is around the corner. Um, the poor, uh, guys that are, um, helping me, um, create the video, like to, I mean, I have the video. I just need to voiceover are incredible because <laughs> I haven't been able to produce shit yet. I'm learning the software though. So today I got 10 seconds of voiceover in. Uh, so I'm hoping that the rest will just be smooth now that I figured out how to do it. Uh, it took me a while and in between crashing and um, power outages, I mean, it's just super weird. Um, so I'm hoping that it's perfect for Boxing Day. Boxing Day is the day after Christmas. Uh, they call it Boxing Day because you get boxes from presents and you throw them away kind of thing. I mean, that's what I was told when I was in England because the next day after Christmas, the embassy was like shut down and I wanted to go there um, to get some snacks that I had left in my desk that, you know, I kind of had there. And um, that's the first time I learned of something called Boxing Day. So that was interesting. Now, um, Christmas Eve, I may or may not have a show only because I will be traveling on Christmas Eve. Um, and during next week after Christmas, I will be traveling outside of state um, you know, with Millie to go do something. And I'll let you guys know about that uh, at a later time. So um haven't been able to enjoy my family. I hope all of you are excited to receive your family members, see your family members, exchange presents. I hope they're all thoughtful. 
Um, I'm one of those types of people that are like, what can I get someone that I know they will use, right? That they will actually use like in their hands. Like they'll use like, if I know that they're like pen lovers, I'll get them like that, you know, anti-gravity pen, the NASA one where you could write upside down and stuff. Um, so I'm really hoping that, um, you know, you guys are getting excited for it. I'm pretty sure I have to take a roast out tomorrow. I'm, I'm hoping I don't forget that. <laughs> and, um, I hope you guys don't have the drama I did with my real Christmas tree that toppled over. Um, you know, I want you guys to embrace this period because it is a Christian holiday and they have been doing everything to cause us turmoil and distress during this time. Now, in the meantime, I want to tell you guys, so Grant and Russell will actually be um, hearing mandate arguments on January 7th, if I'm not mistaken. So that means that Russell and Grant will be making the argument for Tory Says LLC. While everyone is talking, uh, you know, against this OSHA thing by saying constitutional, blah, 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 it belongs to the state in this, um, I'm using another angle, uh, something that other people are not using. Do you guys remember uh, when I showed you that video about how companies were afforded the right to fund the shit out of campaigns because SCOTUS said that they're considered individuals, therefore they have civil liberties. Do you remember that? It was uh, Citizen United versus the FEC. Do you remember that? So my argument, rather than saying it just belongs to the state, right, which it does, I'm going to say, well, you know, according to SCOTUS, my company is a person. Therefore, I have civil liberties to make that choice as a company of whether I want to impose mandates or not. And that's violating my right. And in addition, I have the Ninth and Tenth Amendment that allow me as a person, Tory says LLC, to not pick it. So I'm using the SCOTUS argument. That SCOTUS said that I'm a person, so therefore OSHA is imposing it on me, the person. No one's thinking of that, and I just don't understand why they're not using that argument. Um, because I, the only way you win in debates, right, is by using the other person's words back at them, right? So, like, if you, this is why men never win arguments with women. So we're like, but you said, right? And then men are like, damn it. Yeah, but I didn't, but you said, right? So here's me saying, but you said, SCOTUS, that I'm a person. But now you're treating a company not like a person. So do I have civil liberties or not? If I'm a person and I'm afforded a First Amendment right and I can fund the shit out of any politician and not be treated as someone that's influencing elections because I'm considered a person, then OSHA needs to treat me like a person and OSHA has no authority to impose what I do with my company. So, you know, and in the end, and if they say no, then, you know, my, then they need to overturn, um, you know, Citizens United versus FEC. And then Amazon, Walmart, and all these big companies can't fund candidates. So it's a win-win. So if they don't like my argument, right, uh, they don't like what I'm telling them, then maybe we can get Citizens United versus FEC canceled. <laughs> that would make a place, our world, a better place. So I'm actually hoping that they tell me that I don't have civil liberties because they can't say, oh, you, as a company, you only have the First Amendment. <laughs> they can't say that. So 
Um, if they do say something like, oh, no, you're not a person and OSHA can do this to you. then I'll be like, oh, then I guess Citizen United versus FEC is overturned, too. So uh, that was my whole idea of going in with the argument. So, um, uh, you know, Grant and Russell will be in the Supreme Court on January 7th. Um, uh, I will um, make sure to be there with them. Uh, and, uh, you know, uh, hopefully we'll all be in proximity. I will use all my nice points and I will make sure that they get flown there correctly. I will make sure that they are comfortable and I can't wait to watch them kick ass for all of us. Uh, cause you know, a lot of attorney generals are going to be there and a lot of other companies that kind of jumped into. So I'm really excited because we're the only ones going in with their argument plus mine. So, I'm really um, excited about it, you know, because when I approach a problem, uh, unlike, I guess, you know, like I say many times, I think God gave me the task of Atlas sometimes because I've worn so many hats in, in everything. But the one thing that I always default on is using numbers and numbers don't lie. And when you want to solve a problem, you create an equation and equations are simply that they're true or false sentences. And the sentence that I put together said that, you know, if this is true, then that needs to be true. Then this should be the right argument. So I'm really hoping that um, we get justice on that. And it'll be January 7th, which is pretty incredible. And I hear President Trump will be having a rally on January 6th. So um, uh, that'll be interesting too to see. What comes of that? Um, hopefully I can um, make it to that too. Um, we'll see. God willing, all will go well. I'm, I'm very excited for what this uh, new year is to bring um, because it's, it's the, the, the birth pains. It's, it's going to be quite painful. It's going to be quite scary. I mean, it's already getting scary. For the people of you know, New York, Chicago, Los Angeles, San Diego. San Diego is really standing up. I am so fucking proud of them. But it's going to be really painful for those cities. And, and, and New York is is putting their foot down. We've got Maine out of the blue doing some crazy ass shit right there. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm praying for them. I'm praying for my hometown. That was my hometown. And it, uh, um, it really... Uh, I hurt for the people of New York, but hopefully what we've got planned may, may wake a couple people up. We'll see. So on that note, guys, I, I want to wish you a wonderful evening. Uh, I will, um, see you guys tomorrow. Same time, same place. Well, we'll, we'll talk about Iran and, um, CrowdStrike <laughs> and ventilators and uh, more. Oh, before we go, while I was on air, CNN um, video via um, Project Veritas came out. And I think it's um, interesting uh, what they put out. So I just want you guys to watch this before we go. Project Veritas exposed another creep at CNN. Yet another producer, Rick Salibi, at CNN, we've exposed the nature of this audio. The nature of what you're listening to here is some of the sickest stuff I've ever heard. His name is Rick Salibi. I'm going to say that again. Rick well, and Salibi. Is proving that CNN could care less about who they employ over at that sinking ship of a network. 
He was fantasizing about a 14-year-old girl, and he was asking for pictures of her 15-year-old daughter and saying things I can't speak into the microphone. Forgot that was her daughter? Yeah. So there was two. There's actually two that he's talking about. One is right. her daughter, and one is somebody else's. So he thinks, because you sent me money, you're going to get a nude photo of me and my daughter? Are you insane? He's asked for nude pictures of your 15-year-old daughter? Yep. Mom and daughter pics. He always says mom and daughter pics. This is disgusting. It's he, disgusting. He's fired, right? So we called over to CNN to ask, is this one of your employees? Does he still work there? They didn't get back to us. Jake Tapper, what what say you? What is the status of your employee? Last time you secretly fired Steve Brusk. That was another guy we exposed. Oh, I know. I know. But this time we have FaceTime calls. Rick Salibi's fiance, the mother of this underage girl, actually sent us a beautiful heartwarming thank you message after we exposed uh, what Rick Salibi was saying and doing. This is about potential pedophilia, uh, potential abuse against an an underage girl. The other question is, what is the status of CNN producer Rick Salibi? Does Rick Salibi still work for Jake Tapper in light of these findings, in light of these text messages, in light of these requests to see pictures of underage girls. He had chance after chance after chance to do it, to denounce QAnon, and he simply did not do it. That was the president saying nothing on Friday. He said and tweeted nothing about Stormy Daniels over the weekend, not Sunday night when the interview aired, not since it's uh, it's as if he didn't even see it. That's what makes me mad, is that these people with power seem to get away with things. Say it's not enough to be in love You need to prove it somehow It's not dollar signs or pickup lines or anything that you could kiss away now That sinking feeling that you get when you say something you'll regret Cause you were jealous of some stranger that she met when you were gone You feel insane Cause love is pain Say it's not okay to feel that way It's real, you may not make her happy So what's wrong with me If honestly I wanna be the only way she can be That hollow feeling in your chest As you both wordlessly undress After a fight, it's getting late She tried your best, but then she cried And you're to blame And love is pain Don't believe anyone tells you any different If it's easy, if it's fun, something's missing
There's this dream I've had about mom and dad. Makes me so sad I wake up crying. Can't believe I'll have to live through that. Wish it wasn't mandatory, Diane. We play pretend, act like it doesn't have to end. It's all alright until your friend runs a red light. You watch his car burst into flames. Love is pain. 